Welcome, friends, to the Celluloid Pudding Podcast. Welcome back, guys. We are continuing our discussion on the film Boogie Nights. I'm here with my co-host, Sam, the amazing Sam. Hi, I'm here, too. Yes. Yeah, we're uh, here. Boy, there's a lot to talk about with this film, isn't there, Beth? Well, I don't, I don't know if there's a lot to talk about, but we, but we certainly have enjoyed it. So <laughs> we have. It's been a, a visual extravaganza with, with no spousal trouble because it's it's for my work, obviously. Yes. Yes, it is. It's serious film work, uh, yes. film critique. So um, without further ado, you want to start off where we where we left off, which was the, uh, you know, the perform Dirk Diggler has performed uh, wonderfully. I, I, I think I'd like to, if you don't mind, Beth, I, I, Dirk, went back and I watched it yet again. I should have just bought the film <laughs> four times. All right. So uh, let me just find my notes. So there'll be a little quiet spot here. Hold on. I wasn't quite sure where, where we were going to go. That's okay. So do you mind if we, we back it up a little bit? We, we talked it, we, we gave a little bit of the background of, of uh, the golden age of porn and talked a little bit sure. about loops and nudie cuties, 16 millimeter versus your, your home movies, which would be eight millimeter, right. how that was very convenient for this particular genre to, right. to have 16 millimeter available when 35 was kind of the norm at, at this time, right? For uh, for those, for the films that he's making, that Jack Warner's making? For, for big making? productions of mainstream. Oh, yeah, films. yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I know we kind of, we, we talked about that, uh, well, a few really cool long shots but one in particular was the one that 
follows uh, all through the party on the patio by the pool. Right. And then sort of pans, the camera pans to who whoever it wants to follow. And finally, it's this girl who, who isn't a main character and the, and the camera follows her into the water, diving into the water. And there's underwater shot going on and then above water shot going on. And it's all very cool. And we talked about how that was an homage to the film Soy Cuba or I Am Cuba. And right. then I think, I think, I guess I should have listened to our program. I think we go into, no, I know what I wanted to talk about. The hot tub scene <laughs> after the party. We're just going to edit that first part and talk about the hot tub scene. <laughs> okay. I think I'm teasing you, sweet, Sam. I think that's such a sweet scene because this big party where, you know, he's met the colonel, had to show off his his bits to the colonel, the, the money guy. Yes. Uh, there's been a, a girl with a cocaine overdose. All of this stuff is going on and it must have been overstimulating for for the guy, for Dirk Diggler slash Eddie. And then when the party's over, because he and Reed click right away, right? The Mark Wahlberg and the John C. Riley. They're like a couple of kids. They are. They want to show off. And I just love how they just. Is that a Huffy motorbike or is that a Huffy BMX uh, model of bicycle? Yeah. And do you have this? And yeah. The GI Joe with the Kung Fu grip. Um, Yeah. That's exactly what it is. I love that they're in the hot tub and they're just sort of chit-chatting away before Burt Reynolds joins them. And John C. Riley is reciting a really bad poem that he wrote for somebody. He's like, <laughs> we walk into the field and there are bees, but the bees, they don't yeah. sting because we're in love. And like true friends and, and kids that they are, Mark Wahlberg's character is like, man, did you write that? That's crazy good. And I love that, that, I think that that camaraderie stays with those two the whole time. And I love that. Yeah, that they definitely had a nice chemistry in the film as, although did Johnny, you know, Dirk is sort of based on John Holmes. Yes. The Johnny Wad character. Yes. I don't think in, in the movie, in adult cinema, he had like a wingman. I, and I do love that. John C. Riley plays the wingman to Dirk Diggler's, uh, what was it, Brock Landers and Chess Brock Rockwell. And Chess. Chess Rockwell. Oh, wait, Chess. Now I've, now I've gotten them mixed up. It's Brock Landers and Chess Rockwell. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Those are their names. Those are their names. So just keeping with that backtrack and, and the hot tub time machine bit a little bit more, I we talked about Dirk Diggler having thought of his name. The colonel said, you need a jazzy name. So think about that. And they're so innocent. They're just so innocent at this point. Uh, Mark Wahlberg's character and John C. Riley. Can I just read his quote? Yes, that, go for, for his it. Name? Absolutely. So Bert says, well, well, have you thought of something? And as earnestly as, as, as ever, uh, Eddie slash Mark Wahlberg says, I want a name that can cut glass. It's razor sharp. When I close my eyes, there's this big sign and the name is like bright blue lights with purple neon and this name is just so bright and so sharp that the sign just blows up because the name is so beautiful and so powerful and we the audience see this neon sign that says Dirk Diggler and the sign starts sparking like it's blowing up just as he described so I I thought that Mark Wahlberg sold it really well as the innocent 
And then we've got Paul Thomas Anderson showing us, it's kind of devicey, but he's showing us Dirk Dickler on the sign at the same time. It's I liked that. Yeah, I, he's so innocent. And and uh, he does a nice job playing the innocence. Yeah. As as well as John C. Riley. The the and it, it becomes kind of important later on in the film. Yeah. They they have a they're kind of naive in a way about the the potential da dangers attached to it's like watching two that... sixth graders in the porn industry right. with these two. They're not very worldly just even with basic things that's like you know remember there's a your problem my problem yp and uh mp well, we and they're like, well we don't know all these tech terms that you're going to throw right. around you know which yeah, that's 22 that's yeah. that's later later on when they're later on they're, they're yeah. talking about dirk's recording contract or uh his recording demo so we left off after the first party and dirk's Dirk's uh, what a, audition. That's the word yes. I want. And uh, at the very beginning of part one, when we were talking about this, I said, I, I told Sam, I, I demarcate the different parts of this movie according to parties. So yeah. he, you know, they're all in, they make, they're starting to make those first films. And one of the, and I, I think I pointed it out last episode, they, they're all there and popping champagne bottles and he's getting awards. He won what uh, actor, best actor of- Biggest um, anatomical um, thing. You was know, it biggest uh, or was, it, was it just like the- Best, no, the yeah, best one. Best, I don't know how they- Best adult actor of the year, or whatever for that. So he- But they had a best- uh, Oh, did they really? <laughs> one as well. And the Colonel's looking very proud during this. And he, but he goes on with that speech. He, he has a, you know, I just want to rock out and make good movies. And yeah. isn't that Some what Some people think this is dirty, but no, I'm think, I think I'm helping people. We are helping people. Yeah. And I'm going to keep rocking and rolling. If you keep rocking and rolling and we're going to keep making these pictures. And then he does his, he's super obsessed with Bruce Lee. So he does his signature karate. I don't know what karate kick. It's karate. The, yes, he does that. And he's just oozing with enthusiasm and innocent, you know, innocent enthusiasm yes. and, you know, let's go save the world yeah. through yes. our sexual performances. And I, <laughs> there's a certain charm to that. And I, I appreciate it. And I, I think after, after studying, doing some background studying on this film, I think I appreciate it in a way I never quite did before. Yes. And we can talk about that some other time, but yeah, there's a, there's something there's going to be like a part three, Beth. I'm, yeah, I'm there's sure. there's got to be a part I, three I, to this because yeah, I, it's a pretty big. There are many rabbit holes. It's like a a field filled filled with mole holes. Right, and in each mole hole is a whole Alice in Wonderland uh, pornscape. I think that I don't even know what made me say that. Okay, <laughs> well, and we'll cut it out. No, and you. I, and I just keep... no, I just righted you, and I hate it. It's a bad habit I have. I'm gonna. Just I'm sorry if up. I made you do that. You didn't make me do that. Um, I'm with You're Sam on this. Uh, Sam, yes, has nudged me in the direction that this should be a three-part episode. So it, or, or a three-parter, and it is a three-parter. And I We've swear just... to God, it's not because I want to look at more porn. It's 
I might it be. might <laughs> I don't know. But it might be. <laughs> these are fascinating stories. And the whole industry is fascinating. We must have looked at this stuff, right? I feel like for the you know past 20, 30 years of my life, I've been an idiot. I, I don't know. I'm just I find it very fascinating. Very fascinating. I think once I grew up and had a real, you know, career kind of job that I didn't look back mm-hmm. to those, you know, discovery years where you're right. trying everything on and mm-hmm. and looking. So, something shifted. There was a seismic shift, both personally for each of us and and also in terms of the culture, I think. Do you elaborate, elaborate on that? Because I, you're touching on something. I mean, the demise of the kind of gets to the heart of why this is going to turn out to be a three part episode. And I think it's yeah. worth discussing before we go on with the film, because really the yeah. film, the film has become I don't want to say it's become secondary because it's yeah. it's sort of inspired us to do a lot of reading and well, really just say, sort of reevaluating big... how we I know it's I've reevaluated uh adult entertainment because of the work we just did on this one yes. movie. Yes. Well, I have to say from a just just looking at Paul Thomas Anderson, I'm still a big fan and I think he did a really good job, but there are so many homages in there and so much lifted from a couple of the John Holmes documentaries that I'm thinking what your script was just built for you. I want you to go on about the the parallel either the parallels or the extractions he made from other sources to put in this film. If you can go down that list. Oh gosh. Well, there, there are two main documentaries and I would advise anybody who's interested in this sort of thing uh, for academic purposes, of course, to check out both of these documentaries. One, we had talked about this sort of poem that Amber Waves, a video poem Amber Waves made for Dirk Diggler. Yeah, it's my, she said we haven't gotten to that part yet. And I oh. I did want to just kind of wrap up the 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 three parties. Oh, OK, uh, but we'll, we'll wrap up the three parties. So first parties at at Jack's house. That's yes. the introduction to the what they're doing. The right. second party. And this is after you know, time has gone by. Time has elapsed. Yes. It's one. T- two awards by that time so yes. you're you were going we're heading toward the end of the 80s he's made some bank and it, the the second party is actually at Dirk's house so we have yeah. the the dojo we have he he's taking amber waves and you know showing that her around reminded his- me so much of the Scorsese scene in Goodfellas I haven't seen Goodfellas in oh a couple couple of 10 years but it's what I remember is there's a mistress. The Ray Liotta character has a mistress at some point and sets her up. He's going, she's going to be a, you know, a kept woman. So she invites all of her girlfriends and also Ray Liotta and a buddy over. And she takes them through her apartment. And this is real French perfume. And these are all the dresses he bought me. And all right, we're going to go into the kitchen. Look at this. I've got a dishwasher. And so she's, she's kind of going through everything. And the girls are just ooing and eyeing and very envious. And I, I, I kind of feel like that was a hat tip. There's that scene in Boogie Nights where Dirk Diggler has a party, as you said, and he's taking particularly Amber Waves. He wants to impress her, right? Yes, he More does want to impress her. So he's like, yeah, that's real Italian leather for the couch. 
and he takes her into his do- dojo or his bedroom. This is my dojo. And and says, These, this is my wardrobe. Everything is organized by color and designer. And she's kind of fondling his bedspread saying, oh, such an oriental look. And with all, in all honesty, saying, yes, I, I wanted that for my dojo because this is my place of zen or whatever he says. I don't know. What else does he show off in that scene? He shows, he shows off the, while well, he's, he's taking her around and Jesse, this other actress or performer who uh, is in the pictures as well in fact they show her at the first award ceremony when he gets yes. he gets the performer of the year and she's like i and i can't wait to work with him dirt yeah. diggler so she winds up working working with jack horner and yeah. dirk diggler co-starring and she's there apparently working on the third or fourth painting portrait of dirk very Do you think there's Jesse, and I didn't think much of her until I did this little down the rabbit hole. I'm sorry to interrupt, but I will. Like, no, go for uh, it. Go I'll for lose. it. All right. So Jesse becomes, we'll talk about this, but she hands out the award, like you said, and says, I can't wait to work with you. And I think in the movie, she's called Jesse St. Vincent. I believe so. And there was a troop. Uh, adult cinema star called Jesse St. James. Yes. Who is also has a that kind of uh, platinum blonde look. And I just wondered if she was meant to be Jesse St. James. I, I it wouldn't surprise me. I don't know. Would, would it would she have been a contemporary of that in that I, era? I think that she let me see. I think she worked with John Holmes. Okay. So I think that would be yes. Right. That Then that probably is a nod to Jesse St. James. So apparently you can go to a particular site and still see her. I don't know. All right. I'm not going to promote those sites. You can find them. (laughs) You know what? We'll talk about this stuff later, kids. Okay. (laughs) This is what we, we, uh, what are we radars? Explicit. We're explicit. That encompasses everything. We don't have anybody under the, you know, in terms of our analytics, we only, according to what we're seeing, we only have people over the age of 18. So, <laughs> and and if your kid is watching it and, and your kid is seven, that's on you. That's on <laughs> you, man. That's on it, you. So, uh, so he's showing Amber waves around. And I think the last thing he does is he uh, shows her the, the Corvette. Yes. Yeah. And, um, they wait, go for right. We could, I know I keep saying this. Could we please back up? I want to, during the his first film where he you know he's done his audition for Bert solo with Roller Girl not solo but roll, with the help of Roller Girl and then they do their first real film and I just wanted to to call out a couple of things that I thought were really cool about that in some scenes you get a camera eye view like through Kurt the the video uh, or the cameraman's uh, camera you get a sort of upside down and kind of uh, odd view through the camera lens. And then sometimes you get an external shot of the camera lens and it almost looks like HAL 9000 in one of these scenes. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember this? I think you're referring to when they went, was it the HAL 9, was it when he was doing his audition or when no, they no, were filming they for were the- for real filming and he, um, William H. Macy's char- character, Little Bill says, here's the rundown. 
so-and-so goes at it with Becky. Uh, Becky goes at it with, that, that you was, know, that was various- the, uh, that was the scene he does with Amber waves, which was supposedly yes. his, his, uh, his audition, but not his, his yeah. debut, his debut and, basically. And he says he has his lines down pat. So they said, okay, we'll film the, the rehearsal then. And that's when you get a couple of shots that are really tiny, like the um, yes, the film runs I know out. What you're saying. So you yeah. get a close up of the interior of the camera and that little reel just uh, flipping up in the film ending. Yes. And you get an insider's view through the lens of Amber and Dirk, and then an external looking at the camera lens. And that's when I thought, wow, that's so how 9000, because it just fills up the whole screen. This, you're looking at me like, are you insane? No, I'm not. No, I, I'm glad you. I'm glad you made that observation because we didn't really talk a lot about the, the way they they shot the sex scene between Dirk and Amber. And yes, you, you, it's it's very sexy, but it's not really graphic. Yeah, and uh, you, you know, your 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 mind puts fits together all the pieces. But that that little detail that you just pointed out where they're shooting the free, you see the frame of the film, actually, you know, the flicker and and it it seems like that's the raw sex footage. Yes. Versus what you're seeing, what, what you're seeing externally. And I thought that was an interesting way of showing it without really showing it. OK, so I, I think I'm getting because you did it by by parties i kind of did a cut to cut to cut to so there's that (laughs) first that first uh movie that they shoot with amber waves and dirk together and then there's another one with dirk and roller girl and they're discussing positions we can go from we can okay so jack if i do this and i move her leg like this i can go from missionary to doggy doggy style. style You want me to use a Spanish accent with that, Jack? And you don't hear Jack <laughs> off camera. He's just like, yeah, oh. this is the quick cuts are. Yeah. Why, why do you think he uses those quick cuts just to keep the tempo or to just sort of express that, that just the, the momentum of everything just kind of like carrying forward? And... I, I think to push, because obviously it would be a long, long, much longer path. So I think he's pushing him along because it starts out with all of those really long shots, the opening restaurant scene following meandering through the pool party and I I wanted to say something about how he juggles different storylines and it seems to get more and more tense more and more uh, suspense and tension and and all sorts of negative emotions are happening toward the uh, mid to latter half of the film it's all fun and games and long shots in the beginning right would you agree and or disagree? I, 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 I think that it... time out. Mm-hmm. Those quick cuts to me mm-hmm. almost can, because you have the quick cuts, they're, they're filming. He's the repartee with Jack as they're filming. Yes the innovation his, his innovation and in moves as he's as he's filming with roller girl we see that scene with he he and john c Riley 
in the van. We don't even know where they're going in this van. Jack's in the back. Yes. And they're pitching their counter to because it's it's interesting that he he's he's patterned after Johnny Wad character, the John C. Holmes, Johnny Watts character, but he actually mentions yeah. John That's Holmes. That's what confused me. I yeah. why, I thought it was based on him and yeah. then he's he's referencing John's yeah. Uh, Holmes. John John C. Riley and uh, and he are in the back and they're they're talking to Burt Reynolds' character Jack Jack Horner, Not and they're saying you. that they're saying that uh, you know why don't we do something like this? But he's he's better than than Johnny Wad. He's sophisticated and he treats he treats women better. You know, Johnny Wad slaps women around and doesn't treat that's them well. That's just not right. So, yeah. so you think, okay, well, this guy's got a good heart. He's not going to yeah. be that Johnny Wad character. And yet, after and yet, digging a little bit. Yeah, we find out. And we'll talk about that once we're yeah. done with the. But um, there's the all these quick cuts. And that's what Sam's referring to. And it's it's almost, and the culmination for me was the the disco party. Oh, and the yes. shopping, the shopping. They're acquiring, yeah. you know. I want to put on my, 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 my boogie shoes. So that's and, playing. And, uh, see and, they, and they make a reference to the Pussycat Theater, which we spoke about extensively right. last time. Yeah. Another crane shot at the Pussycat, but this time with Dirk and Amber's wave, Amber yeah. Wave's names up in the, in the marquee. Right. And I think it just conveys that those quick cuts back and forth, back and forth and back and forth. And then the disco is just this conveyance of euphoria, this euphoric it, it, it feeling is. as it's just, you know, they're becoming more successful. They're making more movies and they're having even an even better time as time is going on. And then we culminate at the third party, which is the 1979 moving into 1980 new year's eve party and that is you know uh, a turning point in the film a significant that turning is the point entire in the film. mood i think yeah. changes doesn't it it's yeah. all innocent and fun and welcoming and i i do want to say that i think one of the main themes you can tell me if you agree or disagree is that you've got this surrogate family uh theme going on you've got a lot of uh misfits you've got people who don't know where to go and here is a family and the family is based at Jack's homestead, his house. And you even have a mother figure in Amber Waves. And at several points, they reference that. You've got Jack. Jack is the patriarch, I have to say. Yeah. And, and a, a good lot assessment. of, you know, it, it, it's clear. We don't really know what Roller Girl's family situation is. But she asks Amber at some point. We'll get to that. Will you be my mom? Yeah, will you say you're my mom? Burt Reynolds says she's kind of a mother to us all. Yep. And she, she really has this very, very maternal nature about her while she's also doing, you know, doing her work, her yes. cinema work. And uh, we, we have that, uh, what do, interesting things happen at that party, that New Year's Eve party. And we, yeah. we is it a steady game shot as it comes through? This is before William H. Macy's character shows up, Little Bill. But do, don't we see people going into the front of Jack's house and the door opens and we're following the guests in and we're seeing cuts back and forth, the, the, the scenes going back and forth. Lots of things have transpired in this, this 
period mm-hmm. of time from the time that Dirk starts making movies to to this party and one one being Buck and his friend is it I don't know if Buck and Becky are together or if they are a couple maybe that got into films I think they're just and, good friends who and they've yeah. probably done the deed of course in every situation Obviously. they've all done things but it doesn't mean that much in you know in that world you, there's a distinct line between your private life and what you do before the camera right um you see becky kind of being introduced to guys or or i think she gets there's introduced one to, that just made me laugh it's in the it disco had to do with i can't the, remember the zodiac sign <laughs> and yes he says i'm a um a taurus or something and she says i'm a pisces he's like oh man i can't get with no pisces and walks away like that's that's, that's the line you, that's you, you know whatever you're zodiac that's peak that's peak mid 70s that's peak early late early mid 70s and i'd say probably in our youth we mocked that what's your sign kind of thing relentlessly that was just you know right crazy crazy talk oh cosmo used to have a little uh, this has nothing to do with anything but cosmo used to have a little insert and they would put it out once a year it was called the bedside astrologer what the hell that meant i have no idea but it, it 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 was basically a little little booklet that would come in that one issue. I remember that. Oh my the god! Bedside astrologer. Yes. To help you, I I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I must have so I don't know what it was helping me do. Um, about <laughs> what <laughs> sexual potential encounters you would have uh, men to look. I, I don't know. So, but it's it yeah. Astrology was really big, yeah. and uh, but we we see Becky. I think finally she meets a guy, right? She does. Well, I'd like to say um, there's a brief cut back to the awards after the first awards segment where he gives kind of a longer speech about the about the industry and how thankful he is. Then they cut back to another award show and he just says, thank you. Next shot, there's a big banner. Goodbye, 1979, hello, 80s or something like that. Roller Girl takes a Polaroid. Right. It's a nice punctuation mark with the flash. Mm-hmm. Cut to uh, Becky talking to Jerome, the super nice guy who's just not in the biz at all. And he's just, at, he's just at the party and he, he's going to be a regional manager for Pet Boys or something like that. Yes. And he's just so sweet. And he's talking about it doesn't matter what comes up as long as there's true love as the foundation of your relationship. And he says to Becky, you have a really lovely smile. Nothing sleazy like, wow, I've seen your films and, you know, all, all of the things she's done. He looks her in the eyes and says, you have a really pretty smile. And then she introduces herself to him finally. I'm Becky Burnett. Yeah. And there's also, we see uh, Jesse is sitting there next to Dirk at this party. Yes. All of a sudden, Amber Waves comes over and she's like, just, I mean, it looks to me like Dirk in that shot that Dirk is, and we know from the party at his house that she, you know, Jesse sounds like she's crazy about him and she's make painting yeah. pictures of him and everything. Yes. And uh, Amber just walks up and she's like, Oh, I want to, I want to show you something. And she just kind of drags him off to the bedroom yes. and Jesse's sitting there by herself cut to Buck. Yes. Sitting by himself and Buck is adorned. What is in- he wearing on his body? I just, is that supposed to be like a chorus, um, a, a churchy kind of. 
No, he's got he's got two looks going on. <laughs> he's got that. he's got like Rick James. It's it's got a Parliament vibe to it. If you <laughs> you know listen to some you know, funk in the seventies, like Parliament, okay. it's got some Parliament, but it also has. This is what I saw with the hair that hair piece that he's wearing reminded me of Rick James. Yeah. The collar thing that he's wearing is reminiscent of Earth, Wind, and Fire in that era because Ooh. they were they got real heavy into sort of you know Egyptian motif. Maurice White. I thought it was a coral gown. So I thought no, he was no, no. That, that collar, and... okay. the thing that he's got, that gold collar, just yeah. screams screams Earth, Wind, and Fire to yeah. me. That yes. that late '70s into the early '80s, their aesthetic. <laughs> was very yeah. flashy and heavy and, and uh, you know spacey looking and yeah. I'm in love with Maurice right Maurice right it's I just yeah. love earth wind and fire I just I you I'm are a big fans. they're number one fan I think so <laughs> I, I have to do a deep dive on earth wind and fire because I want Boogie I Wonderland not? played as my exit song at my funeral that is what oh. <laughs> that's what I want if I don't die first then I'll make sure okay make it happen make it happen I have to think of my song I don't I don't I want know that I to be my little exit song you take my whatever for me but but it's so sweet he takes off his wig because he's sitting there with Jesse and I think she, she sings, goes over to him yeah she they're both she, kind of being walked away from exactly nailed it that's it that's yeah. exactly what happens Dirk Dirk leaves her sitting there and it, it's it's that real you get the sense of how vulnerable they are which I think yeah. is beautiful that he he uh, Paul Thomas Anderson is really good in this film at conveying that that loneliness when and that vulnerability so when Dirk goes away with Amber Jesse's awkwardly and you can tell almost embarrassed like looking around and Mm -hmm. but she sets eyes on buck and he's feeling kind of low too and it's just lovely what happens it is she walks over there and they're just and it's so sweet because she says well i think they start with him and he said yeah I, I think it's a good look because this is his struggle the whole the whole film like what's my look what's my look and she says yeah and then he he kind of in a disgusted way takes off the wig and becomes buck again and they start talking about how sunrises are better than sunsets. And it's sweet pillow talk, really. It's it's just away from the industry, like they're on a first date or something, all from away from this stuff. Like like Buck had just, you know, knocked on the front door and brought a carnation. And yes, sir, I'll have her yeah. on by 10. And yeah, you want to go get donuts after the it just there's something really wholesome and sweet about that whole interaction that yeah. I like that he put in the film and and we we start to have I I different he gave his uh you know not the the main characters but he gave some of the the the, the smaller characters good character development and I enjoy yeah. that about this film. I did too. Even if it's somebody like, um, you know, Philip Seymour Hoffman eventually became a big deal, but but he was kind of a nobody in this in 1997. Not a nobody, but a memorable up and coming part. It, very memorable part, and he made the most of it as as Scotty, the sound kind of a sound tech, and deeply has a big crush on on Dirk Diggler, but it's not reciprocated. So yeah, there's 
there's three other things. There's a lot happens at the New Year's Eve party, but there's three things that are are kind of biggies. And yeah. one is uh one is the first, the first one we'll talk about, uh, which is Amber, the reason why Amber drags Dirk into the bedroom is what, Sam? Uh, well, she wants to tell him how special he is to her. And I think they, that she wants, like we all do at the end of a decade, wants to turn the page. I don't think she has any further goals of going, you know, getting into a deeper relationship with him. But she does, she does, and I, I blame her for this. He had no interest in drugs until till that night at the New Year's Eve party when she kind of makes him do some lines of cocaine. And he's saying things like, wow, that burns. That tastes like aspirin. I think I want some water. I think, and she says, no, no, do another one. Do another one. Yeah, to the other nostril. Yeah. And uh, she goes, that's the drip. It's the best part. part. <laughs> <laughs> now she, she introduces him to cocaine. And, yeah. and you get the sense that prior to that moment, she, she, he had never really gotten into drugs or anything like that. Like maybe smoke some grass because everybody in the seventies yeah. did, <laughs> yeah. but, uh, uh, he'd never tried cocaine. And, and there's, there's a big tip off about Dirk when he's snorting yeah. it, he looks up at Amber and he said, and, and it also is a clue to their relation, the dynamics of their relationship. He's like, do I look cool when I do it? Yes. Everything is you know, am I getting validated? Do I look yeah. cool yeah. doing this sort of thing? And the music has up until this part, I've been, I think it's, it's been really upbeat kind of disco and happy. And then somebody by the name of uh, what is his name in the movie? It's played by Philip Baker Hall, Floyd um, Gondoli comes in. Yeah, on New Year's Eve with a bunch of riffraff looking scraggly kids, and he they he barely wants, show bring he barely brings them into frame. Didn't you find that interesting? You do see them behind him. Yes, but he barely. He, and he says, "This is Cindy. This is Johnny, or how, whatever their names were." But they look really out of it and not the glammed up type that the that the other, you know, professional actors were, and. And he decide he picks this moment to take the colonel and go back to talk to Jack Horner about the future of adult cinema. And they say the future is video. Yeah, that's an interesting encounter. And, you know, th this guy comes in, you haven't seen him before. And, yeah. you, you know, when when they introduce the character of the colonel, the one that mm -hmm. that wants to see his his invest his investment. Because yeah. Jack tell Jack tells Dirk, this is the guy that gives us the money so that we can make our film. This is a really important, important. part yes. of the process. He's trying right. to make that hit home. So you think you think that that's the that's the guy guy. Well, then at the New Year's Eve party, you realize, yeah. oh no, that's not the guy guy. He's just one of the guy guys. Because then that that guy was it Gun Gundolfi Gundoli Gundolfi Floyd yeah. Gundolfi, and I would in. say everything, including the music, shifts to a darker side. Driver's seat, which is not a, it's like one of those Jones and songs, like you don't it's, feel yeah, quite, you yeah. know, yeah. It's driver's seat. It's not a yeah. mellow driver's seat. Like the Colonel's song was "Spill the Wine," mm -hmm. which is you know kind of happy go lucky whatever, and and for Floyd Gun. 
what is his damn name? Gondoli. Gondoli. It's driver's seat. And uh, there's that scene. They're trying to convince uh, Bert, Bert Reynolds, Jack, Jack Handy. No, Jack, Jack Handy. Jack, Jack Handy really Horner. Over that. <laughs> and at the same time, you're cutting to other incidents at the party, yep. like the introduction of Todd, who's bad news. He becomes a, a friend of Dirk and John it's C. All, yeah, and it's all like... And I, I don't know what movie, maybe maybe one of our listeners would like to leave a, a leave us a message, but Todd, in that particular scene where we meet him, John C. Riley or Reed says to him, yeah, I'm so jealous that, that Dirk got that Corvette. And he says, to quote Todd, the character Todd says, um, start down low at 350 cube, 325 horsepower, four speed, four uh, four to 10 gears, 10 coats of competition orange, hand rubbed lacquer with a race dual, I can't even say because it it's a foreign language, with a race dual plane manifold full of, uh, of fuck cams. I don't know what that means in car terms, but full of fuck cams. Uh, but I guess he's, he's running down the specs and there's some film. That they do the same thing. That, they do the same thing. It's a takeoff on some film. I can't find it yet. Damn it. I, it seems to ring a bell to me. I don't I don't know why it does. Yeah. Uh, so the make... only sweetness at this party, because something really bad is about to happen, is that Jesse and Buck have got have made a true connection. Yes. And I, I want you to go back to the conflict when when Gandolfi like Gandolfi comes in with the colonel you think the colonel's in charge and then you realize no 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 wait a minute i think this guy's in charge with these so the set is such that burt reynolds character jack corners on one side of the desk floyd gandolfi gandoli gandoli yeah gandoli gandoli is on the other side and then way in the background on a couch is the colonel right right so he sort of removed himself and defers to floyd gandoli and do you want to do the quote or shall I? <laughs> no, you're going to do the quote. So I'm going to do the here's quote. The, quote. It's, it's interesting that the two meet up and uh, and the colonel says, he's like, well, we better we better get Jack on board. We got to we got to do this first. Got to, yeah. you know, it's Let's get it over with business. Yeah, get it over with. So they go in there and you can tell they're having a tete a tete. Bert or Bert, Jack and this gun gun. We've really got to look that up. It's Floyd is his first name. Let's go with Floyd. And Floyd. And they're arguing. And Jack's like, I'm, I'm not going to make shoot video. And the guy's yeah. like, yes, you are. Because it's the wave of the future. And so are these mm-hmm. stars. And 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 you can and and the we're going to make a killing because yeah. of this. It's and the convenience of because it's going to cost so much less. They are mobile. That's another mm-hmm. thing. They don't mm-hmm. have to, you know, work with actors they can basically turn in this you get this sense that he's thinking we can turn anybody into a porn star and and the just the reality this the reality that it's convenient and and immediate and it can be mass produced quicker for cheap and uh and jack is balking big time he's completely disgusted because he he already told all the other actors i really want this to be a film a film that people will stay and they'll watch till the end and that they can enjoy beyond the the acts of sex that that 
you know, he wants to be a real filmmaker. And here's a guy saying, Floyd, I don't want to win an Oscar. I don't want any accolades. I want to make a nickel and a dime. I'm a simple man. I like butter in my ass and lollipops in my mouth. <laughs> and um, and uh, just a point of trivia, you can see the colonel in the background on that couch. That's why I mentioned the, the setup. And he just starts losing it and laughing. Yeah. He breaks character and, and starts laughing. So in post-production, Paul Thomas Anderson had to go back and blur out, uh, really? kind of make it blur out the colonel so you can't it see ridgely ridgely i don't remember his first robert name. ridgely yeah. robert ridgely yeah. i and i want it's funny that you confirm that because i'm like why is robert ridgely out of focus yeah because <laughs> there's not a lot of that depth of except for maybe yeah. another scene when you meet william h macy in the in the disco or the uh, what a the nightclub at first but that was yeah. a yeah that was a great observation by you oh and here here's the but here's the kicker they're having this conflict and then Gandalfi says, all the theaters, see, yeah. Horner doesn't balk. Jack Horner's mm -hmm. character, he does not balk and does not get afraid of anything this guy is telling him until mm -hmm. he says, the theaters are already converting to video. And then he, Now, what do you think about the reality or the veracity of that statement? Do you think that that's true? I, you know, <laughs> We Remember worked in a movie theater. All those I, yeah, huge, big, huge, deals huge reels. The... But when they said we're they're they're converting to video, that would mean that they're taking the projectors out and just putting in uh, booths. I would think, right? That's what going... it sounds like. And I remember well into, you know, I don't know. I I I guess I saw the projection booth booth working at the cinema we all attended. Uh, and visited back, often back in back in the day yeah yeah the cramped little but it, it was like a huge platter and and a real film and that had to be into 85 86 87 so it was a while before i i'm just trying to think of if they're converting to video to project god the image would be shitty would be, crap. Would be absolute shit so are they talking about downsizing and floyd couldn't booths. have known that that early so i think he was using that as bait for for jack horner it's the one thing that makes him freeze and he goes and he, and he looks at me because i haven't heard that so mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. just the, the notion the only thing i think maybe that maybe what he's trying to convey is that yeah if the if we lose the theaters to support this to support mm -hmm. our work then we're done for yeah, he says if it, yeah. uh, Burt Reynolds' character says if it looks like shit, it sounds like shit, it must be shit, right. and and has very low opinion of of, of video. Mm -hmm. And in the meantime, the other two are Floyd and and the Colonel are saying we're going to make a killing because film is too expensive to to use. It's a man. That's a great scene. I as many times as I've seen that movie, I really even to just now when we're when we're talking about the party scene there, so much is happening. So much there is all happening. these little side side things. There's yeah. uh, Todd has come in. There's Jesse and Buck. Uh, I don't know if I passed by something really important. Hold yes, on. you did. Yes, you did. Is, is that coming up? That's, or your, that's I... your guy, man. That's right. your guy. 
um, something bad, bad happens. Yeah, something with, bad, bad happens, but something else William happens. With William H. Macy. And I think, I think in terms of the cinematography, this might be the last long shot. So you have to tell me or correct me if I'm wrong. I think he goes to shorter clips after this. But William H. Macy, we've already established that Nina Hartley plays his wife. And she's well, constantly... Stop hmm? right there because you're, yes? you're, you're forgetting your guy. Who's my guy? Philip Seymour Hoffman. Oh, you don't Scotty. remember what All happens. Right. You don't okay. remember how, so, how can you okay, so, Scotty J? Scotty so J. I think there's kind of a pan. Like they all leave Burt Reynolds and, and or, uh, Jack Horner and Floyd and the Colonel. They leave the meeting. And I believe the camera follows Eddie slash Dirk out the door. And Reed would really like him to meet Todd. Todd clearly worships uh, um, Reed, but Scotty says, hey, hey, I have something to show you. Please come look, I, I wanna show you, it's a surprise. And Dirk goes with him and he he walks and 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 Scotty says, close your eyes, close your eyes. It's a huge, huge surprise. Here, here, follow my voice. And uh, when Dirk opens his eyes, there's Scotty leaning against basically a, a beater with a bad uh is, is it a beater or i wanted it looked like a didn't toyota celicas have that hatchback thing going on it, it might have been a toyota celica but but you know dirk has this you know amazing corvette right and scott is scotty is desperate for dirk's yeah. approval and has whatever that car is but it's no corvette painted right. competition orange and it's still tacky and has is getting like fingerprints on it and stuff as they touch it and then unfortunately scotty picks this moment to steal a kiss from dirk and <laughs> dirk does not return his feelings so scotty, what are you doing what are you doing what are you, what are you, doing? What are you doing man <laughs> and and poor philip seymour hoffman he sells it so well as scotty says well i i just want to kiss will you kiss me and Dirk says, no, what's wrong with you? And uh, Scotty says, man, I'm really wasted. I just had a lot to drink, but will you just let me kiss you on the mouth once? <laughs> just <laughs> sort of like continuing to make a pass. Can, can, can I kiss you? But, will, you will you kiss me? Can, can I kiss you? you? And it's just kind and of And in like the middle that, of that, like, no, says, no. do you like my car? And Scotty says to Dirk, do you like my car? And Dirk says, what? You just, yes, Scotty. <laughs> What, what's wrong with you? Yeah. But he handles him very gently. He does. Dirk does. Uh, other than, you know, he, he's like, wait a minute. I'm not, I'm not into you that way. You know, yeah. he doesn't, he doesn't want to punch him. He doesn't want, he yeah. doesn't freak out. He, he handles it really a little. He's a little mm -hmm. embarrassed, but he's very gentle with Scotty. And I thought that was, yeah. that was, and they hug and they Scotty hug says, out. I love you guy. And um, Dirk says, I love you too. You know yeah. that happy new year. Let's go back inside. Yeah. So for what could be a mortifying situation, he's as gentle as possible. It is so important in the way that is written for Dirk's character to look at him and say, let's go back inside. In other words, the inclusion. You're still yes. with me. You're still my yes. friend. Nothing has changed about yes. that, which I thought was so cool. But then, so Mark, uh, or Dirk Diggler, rather, walks back to the party, but Scotty gets inside his car, and it's kind of a heart-wrenching moment. Yeah. He just keeps saying, I'm an idiot, I'm an idiot, I'm an idiot, and you can just feel the depth of his pain. That yeah. He's so mortified that, that 
you know, he, he probably fantasized about the situation in a completely different way that, that Dirk would have been receptive. Well, don't worry, Scotty. We've all been there. You're not alone. Yes, we, we, we've all made asses. We've all, we've all made asses out of ourselves and we've all faced some rejection. Yeah. And, and, you know, in, in the film, Scotty's still friends with Dirk af- afterwards. He's still in Dirk's sphere of, you know, life. So, yeah. so that doesn't change. But I, I remember the first time seeing the film and, and just feeling so mortified for him and hurt. I, yeah. My heart just like clenched really tight when I saw I that. think that's when I realized I'm going to watch this guy. Yeah. This, this, I don't know who this is, this Philip Seymour Hoffman. I probably didn't even notice in the credits which one he was. But I, I remember thinking, that guy is really good. I, I think that he's going to be somebody. Did this come out? I, I'd have to check dates. But this and te- the talented Mr. Ripley. And I, I gosh, when did that come out? I don't know. They, I think they came out within like maybe one, you know, one or two years of each what a, other. What a leap then! But just those two roles right there, and I was just mm-hmm. sold on. I, I was sold on him to begin with, but yeah. You're they, right. Two they, years. Yeah, they they came. How did I know that? Which came know. out first? Out of curiosity. Ninety-seven uh, for Boogie Nights, or yeah, Boogie Nights and Talented Mr. Ripley is ninety-nine. That's crazy. Good call. Those those two films, just uh, I was just captivated by him. He's uh, incredible. Yeah, yeah, he he is. And in fact, you know what? We should do Talented Mr. Ripley sometime. That's that's a fa- I haven't oh, yeah. seen it since it came out. I think. Yeah. And I remember being blown away by that. So uh so now the big now there's a really bad scene. Really bad uh, scene, guys. <laughs> um we we've been following what, what what position as as part of a crew member do you think William H. Macy is? He plays little Bill. It's played by William H. Macy, and he sort of oh. is um he seems like a line producer. Assistant or I don't know what he is. He sounds. He seems like a. Uh, okay, so if if Jack Benjamin. is the, if Jack is the director, right. And Kurt and, does uh, cinematography and editing. Yes, and then There's another guy who does lights. Scotty does sound. But I don't think he's just a production assistant. He's almost like a, a line, like a line producer, which is some. Co- he's coordinating everything else that's yeah. going on. Yeah. The in, including you know the. the transportation the the equipment the all the logistical stuff it looks like that is what william h macy's job is but i don't know what the equivalent would be you know and he takes his job very seriously and and seems to do it right very well he's a working man you get the you get the sense that like william h macy's probably not uh that jack horner is probably not the only guy William H. Macy works for that he might be working with other directors and other product, but he's definitely in the biz, right? Yeah. I got that sense that, and his wife, the one that uh, <laughs> was stooping in the parking lot on the parking lot. Uh, you, get to, you get the the sense that this happens an awful lot. The first night he comes home, he's got she's got a guy in got, the bedroom, yeah, just says get out. And he and they've got a really normal looking house. You wouldn't think house of porn, just like American colonial shag carpet, you know, and and he's told to go sleep on the couch, goes to the big party. And she's what in the driveway on a towel. Yeah. And that's when the Elvin Bishop is it Elvin Bishop song. 
Pulled around and fell in love is playing. Pulled around and fell in is it love. Elvin, Elvin Bishop. Yeah, I'm. I'm not sure. Awesome. Who, who sang that? Are you looking? Do your thing. Do do do. Yeah, Elvin Bishop. It's Elvin Bishop. So Elvin Bishop, uh, the song Elvin Bishop is uh, playing, fooled around and fell in love. So I I got from that song because remember we're being given clues. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, these, yes. These big you know neon, uh, neon things, and uh, I gotta edit that out. But fooled around and fell in love. So I got the impression that his wife. Little Bill probably met his wife in the business somewhere. Right. And she charmed him. And but he is really not made for that kind of swapsy lifestyle. He's just a regular guy. And and he is a cuckold. It's not an open marriage to him, but she very much treats it as an open marriage. Well, is it is it that is it that he has a problem with the fact that he's cuckolded? Well, I think he has a problem with the fact that he's publicly cuckolded because she's well, he, she seems no, to know because he walks oh, into yeah. his home alone in his own home. Know, yeah. One yeah. Time. yeah, you're right. What the fuck are you doing? It's my wife. And, and it must and have she just absolutely doesn't respect him. Clearly. Right. She's like, get out. Yeah. Get out. She's been more like a, a little brother or something than. than a yeah. So. Uh, and as you were saying, the music turns, the tone of the music has turned darker. Is it, uh, what, what's the name of the song in the jungle or something? Hold on. Driver's seat is playing for a while, fooled around, fell in love. But when Bill's big, little Bill's big scene comes, I don't know what it's called, but it was a sort of a jazzy or, um, oh, I don't know, more of a funky slow song. And it says, do your thing, do, 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 do your thing. Do, 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 do. So it's a very different vibe. I was just trying to find this song and maybe it's, maybe that's not what it's called. Do your thing. Let me look. Hold on. I find it. Here's a Reddit. Okay. Could it be Machine Gun by the Commodores? Uh, Let me see how that sounds. Yeah. Oh, wait, here we go. Here's every song in Boogie Nights. Machine Gun, the Commodores. That would make sense. Let me see. Videos. Funny and Sunny, Fly Robin Fly. <laughs> Well, that's too upbeat. Yeah, I'll find it. Hang on. I think that's the disco scene after they go on a buying spree. Commodore's machine gun. Uh, let me see your sexual nature scene. Related Goodfellas. Melanie's new key. Mama told me not to come. Spill the wine. Uh, Andrew Gold. Lonely boy. It's in here somewhere. Jethro told Batman. 
Hot chocolates, you sexy thing. Ohio players, I want to be free. I don't think this can be the full list. Machine gun by the Jack directs Eddie and Roller Girl before filming the scene. No. Magnet and Steel. Nope. Sound mm-hmm. experiences. JP Walk, the song uh, trailer tracks. How many tracks do you have? I only have 10. Here. I've got a bunch here. Got to give it up. This, Wait, there's more than 10. But I know Yellow plays as well. Try, here it is. Driver's seat is when Floyd comes and Todd is met. Do your thing by Charles, Charles Wright and the Watts 103rd Street Rhythm Band. Scotty cries in his car after revealing his feelings for Dirk. The song's yeah. title reflects Scott's lack of identity in the film movie moves into new year's sequences in which little bill finds again finds his wife this time he mm. commits a double murder yeah yeah okay that's so that's a, it i think this is where i was asking you if i if you thought this was the last and it's a truly long shot uh little bill it's about two minutes countdown till new year's the new year yeah i'm right gonna, we're gonna i'm gonna edit some of that out and we're gonna start right right there so start again i like what you were saying if you can. So, so what I think is this might be the last one of those really long shots in the film is when is little Bill's big scene at the New Year's Eve party. He it's about two minutes before midnight and everybody's sort of gathering for the happy new year kisses and, and all that. And Bill is looking for his wife. Have you seen my wife? Have you seen my wife? And the camera's just following him, even if it has to go around a wall and and uh, William H. Macy slash Little Bill emerges on the other side. He finally hears, you know, the telltale signs of, of the happening in a bedroom and opens the door and sees we, we don't see them, but we, we know that it's his wife and yet another man. He closes the door, walks away, walks down to the hall, walks all the way to his car, unlocks his car reaches into the glove box, pulls out a gun, loads it, gets out of the car, locks the car, and very slowly walks back to that bedroom. And we don't see, it's off frame. He fires three shots into the bedroom. And then we cut to him with his back to the wall and he shoots himself under the under the chin. So suicide. And, and there's no, that's just end of an era, I think. They, he, he goes to a black screen with 1980 and as that, that sequence is actually a pretty, for people that are into film, if you go on YouTube, the the scene is on YouTube, but that whole long tracking scene is pretty famous for uh, film buffs. And uh, someone had pointed out too, I didn't, I didn't notice it even when I watched the clip back and I watched the film, I don't know how many times now. But uh, little Bill, when he walks back out to his car, there's two little things Macy does, which is he puts his drink on the top of the on the hood of the car. He mm-hmm. does not pick the drink up. He takes a second to lock the car door before he goes in. And, and when I rewatched it, I thought that's yeah. interesting. OK, yeah. so there's a couple little things like that. And um, he did something else, too, when they uh, go back to when when the his wife is in the driveway. You know, yes basically screwing around with this guy and, and there's a whole crowd of people they're, they're having and he's having that argument like a, they're at the yeah, zoo or something that argument with kurt he goes and the guy's talking shop and he goes god damn it you know my wife has an ass in her <laughs> he mixes up the words and i think he yes. didn't mean to do it yes my wife has an ass in her cock and yeah. and he didn't mean to do it but uh i thought i had read somewhere that uh 
Paul Thomas Anderson had laughed so hard and it was that he, he kept it in there because he yeah, just thought it was believe. so damn funny. Just that. And um, William H. Macy, his expression never changes. I think throughout the entire film, does it? No, I, it's, it's just, just the same earnest, haggard, almost overworked, anxious look <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> with that mullet and, you know, He's well-dressed in his polyester twin set, whatever. But Yeah, that long tracking scene in the background, we're hearing, we're seeing, I, you know, it's last time I watched it, I saw things I didn't see, hadn't seen yeah. before. You're, we're watching Little Bill, but in the background, you know, having seen Little Bill now three or four times mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. tracking him, you're seeing people running in and out of the house and they're trying, they're all trying to get to a certain place before uh, zero, Yes. Right. Until before the new midnight year, to put for midnight. And uh, so, <clears throat> excuse me. So there's all this stuff going on. And just as uh, this, the clock strikes midnight, boom, boom. And then yeah. boom. And, that's and, it. and for whatever reason, the directorial choice was not to have a reaction to that, but to just cut there and then black screen. Does it say the, the exact date or just 1980s? Just says 1980. 1980. Like there it is, 1980s. And then it, it cuts to, I guess, the Brock. I don't know what the series they, they invent, uh, Dirk and Reed, with Brock Landers and <sighs> Chest Rockwell. But I, I think he's gotten a bad, you get the sensation that he's gotten a bad rap for the violence toward women yeah. in that in that series of pornographic right. cinema. And so Amber Waves, who who seems to be able to record and edit and do all of the, has all the technical know-how, right, uh, does a little promotional piece for Dirk Diggler. And she calls it her poem to him. I think now would be a good time uh, because we do we are seeing so many, uh, those like external, yeah. sources that he he pulled into that last if you want to call it the last not third but last fifth or sixth of the movie uh last third of the movie um this is where this would be a good place to like talk about what some of those source what some of that source material was sam so yeah i'd say all of the source i i was a big fan of paul thomas anderson I guess I can stay, say I still am because I love Magnolia as well and, and many of his other films. But then I watched this sort of, it's, it's kind of an, it not kind of, it's a triple X-rated documentary. And almost frame for frame, the film, the little sub film in Boogie Nights that Amber Waves creates as a pr promotional gift to Dirk Diggler. It's taken almost frame for frame from another kind of uh, documentary that was a gift to John C. Holmes to help bolster his reputation, which had been uh, on going on the downside as well. And that is called Exhausted, The Real Story of John C. Holmes, 1981. You can find it on the interwebs there if, if you're 18 or older, I'll add that. And it is, it's just a ripoff. The dialogue, <laughs> I can't say I can't anything else. It's an absolute ripoff. Oh. I'm disenchanted now. I can't believe it. Oh, you're not completely disenchanted with Paul I, Thomas. Anderson. I kind of am. Kind of am. We, we know that when 
when T Paul Thomas Anderson was sort of 17 and he was super into porn, we, we find out, for, or I found out rather, or you probably did too from his friend. No, I, I really didn't. <laughs> they were real porn aficionados. And I don't know how a little 17 year old Polly got a hold of it, but you know, yeah, he would. We, we all did at 17, but, but he, he, um, <laughs> he, he wrote a little short called Dirk Diggler's something or other. What was it? We had that before. A little uh, 30 he, minute. Yeah. A little 30 piece, minute piece. A skeleton did. of a, of a script. Right. And then I think he discovered exhausted the real story of John C. Holmes and says, said, I'm just going to transpose everything in that little X-rated e-documentary to the rest of my film. Cause it is practically frame for frame the same when, thing when you told me that i was like nah i i mean I, no. I i had expected like one or two things and that maybe he would paraphrase or or parody not even paraphrase but parody some of the lines yes. from the from uh exhausted yes and he didn't it was it was mirror <laughs> image it, the only thing he cut out that wasn't in that was in exhausted but wasn't in boogie nights is it's intercut a lot of this sort of Faux interviewing with John C. Holmes and others is intercut with very explicit scenes like, you know, five minutes of, of fellatio and right. 10 minutes of various positions right. and John Holmes uh, creating money shots and, and such. But I, I, well, that that was not uncommon in that era for stars uh, that had done uh, had a, a larger body of work that they would release these retrospective styled films yes and they would but, they would but it was word for word including um there are flashbacks to some of the johnny wad series films in this documentary yeah. and there's one in particular i think it's with jesse and dirk she walks into a restaurant and says i've been waiting here 20 minutes a girl could starve to death here that's exactly from the johnny wad film Yes, the bedroom scene is exactly from yes. the Johnny Wad uh, film. Even the first, uh, his first film with Amber Waves, Dirk and Amber, that dialogue you have an enormous um, that that dialogue is taken from John C. Holmes as well. And we learn in this documentary, which I can't recommend highly enough. Maybe if you are sensitive to graphic materials, don't watch it. But if you want to do a side by side comparison. You too will be disgusted with Paul Thomas Anderson and how he just ripped it off. But what <laughs> I got you're from, disgusted I, with him. I am just disgusted at his, I don't know, his lack of originality. I thought he was the real deal. He stole it. Well, I mean, he's done a another film that you really like, which is uh, I did like Magnolia. Magnolia until I find out where he ripped that and, off. I and know. until you <laughs> maybe he maybe he and, and, and the master is an excellent film too. But then now now you've got me all upset. I don't know what to do and, <laughs> and and then there's there's another film which would be a great companion film called uh wad the life and times of john c holmes and that is not an x-rated documentary that is more from the perspective of those who s surrounded john what holmes the, what was the release date on that because uh you're gonna ask me that for for the first one it's 81 hold can on we... hello you're cranking here so just okay so the two documentaries that that i would suggest as companion uh viewing material or, or films for boogie nights if you want to really do a deep dive 
are 1981 uh, exhausted the real John C. Holmes story, which is kind of a propaganda film to lift his image. <laughs> right. Right. I would, I would call it a propaganda film. Porn prop. It's por- and it's a retrospective. Yeah, yes. it's a collect. It's a best of is really oh, what it is. It's showing him sort of looking dreamily into the sunset, like, look how poetic and gentle I am. Yeah. And he talks about in the documentary, the real John Holmes says, yes, I went to UCLA and I got a graduate degree in pediatric um, orthopedics or something like that, yeah. or, or phys- physical therapy. It's Ph- all physiology. It's all bullshit. He's a high school dropout and never did anything. Right. But but he and he boasts about having slept with 15,000 women, which if you do the math, it's just not possible unless that's all you were doing, I, th- I think. Yeah. Uh, given that this is 1981 and he'd only been. You know. So so the counterpart to that would be from a more objective. It is subjective because you have his agent and you have some uh, you have some directors and producers talking in wad the life and times of John C. Holmes. And this this does not have explicit uh, view, viewing matter in it, but it is mature content, obviously, if you're talking about a porn star. So right. you have John Holmes's agent. You have a director by the name of Bob Chin, who is also part of Burt Reynolds' character's uh, amalgamated character. Right. Uh, y- you have Sika, who uh, Sika and John Holmes were in a sort of mutual admiration club. And, and bolstered one another. She was super big time, 1980s, and I think late 70s adult cinema star. And it, it was just very disappointed, disappointing because the former, Exhausted, which is that, that, that porn prop film I, I talked about. <laughs> porn prop. I, with, with the exception of the explicit pornographic scenes, all of that was, was taken and just lifted and used in Boogie Nights. Yeah, which would have been a large part of the, you know, of of the act three. Yeah. The act three is is largely based on stuff that happened in uh, either material that was uh, done on on John Holmes or uh, crime, (laughs) an actual crime that that occurred. So not much to write there, except for exactly what happened. If you want to get into, you know, just sort of uh roughing roughing away some of the edges blend you know blending the pastels of yeah yeah i i do want to say on a personal note even though i was discussed with paul thomas anderson when i watched exhausted the true john c holmes story i felt sympathetic toward john holmes and before that i so it it was manipulative but it it was able to manipulate me because i i thought well, you know, he seems like a decent guy. Uh, he he seems very earnest. He seems to respect women, but it was all slanted that way to put him in a good light. When you yes. watch the other documentary, Wad, The Life and Times of John C. Holmes, 1999, that, get, that gets into his agent's perspective and some of the director's perspectives. And they all seem to agree that he wasn't very bright, that he was very impulsive, that the the coke and the meth became this enormous monkey on his back yeah um, they talked about and how do i even uh you know being in in this industry he was so well endowed that he could not 
become become full fully erect and, fully um, erect. I had or heard literally that. pass out because I I don't know the the biology there all the blood drained from his. I, I don't know how how valid. I, I don't know how. Uh, you know I don't think I don't know how you verify. Was that, that an excuse but, or was it valid? I don't know. I, I don't know how you verify that uh, without. <laughs> I really watching every single John C. Holmes film or scene that he'd ever been in. Yes. Uh, but I have heard the, the, that was alleged that, or, or maybe as the drug abuse became worse, it, it, it became more and more and more of a problem that for him yes. to work. Yes. And, and they do uh, yeah. address that in the film, but he, next uh, there's, I want to, sorry, go ahead. No, 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 go, go. Cause you're. <laughs> <laughs> the because I'm hyper. I had a go, snicker. Go, go, go. Uh, the music changes again, and this time it's who sings Ace of Spades? Is that Juice Newton? I'm really embarrassed that I know the oh, name. Queen Ace of Spades, Queen of Queen of Hearts, playing with the Queen, with the of, queen hearts. of Hearts. <laughs> <laughs> that was such a and, weird song. <laughs> and it's kind of an interesting domestic situation before uh, that song is playing and Burt Reynolds is sort of wandering through the house telling Roller Girl to clean up her room um, Jessie has had her baby now yeah. that's Jessie and Buck's baby I think we yes. missed really big well, the, scene you're, you're moving way way ahead toward oh, the end dear. we don't, ha we oh, don't have to oh, we don't dear. have to fit that all in because we had moved to um, Bill's what? murder yeah, yeah Bill, Bill little Bill kills off his wife and her lover we don't know who who she was with but he kills and then he kills himself and then it's 1980 yes, yes. and uh we we see that dirk is starting to hang out more and more with who's the creepy blonde-haired uh, guy todd oh, you know yes. something i missed and but i caught it the last time i saw the film because i'm like what yes. does todd do what does Todd do? And remember, they they come to that part. He comes to the party. He's actually introduced at the party at Dirk's house because the, of the car. And he comes cruising. It doesn't he? And then he comes cruising in there. Or was it? Was it? It was New Year's Eve. Waiting there, saying, yeah. "Look at my car." Yeah. And you're right. It is New Year's Eve. And he he comes in, and he, you know the whole thing with the car, and. Uh, John C. Riley goes, you working? And he goes, I don't, I don't work. Uh, are you dance or something? We, we find out he's a dancer at a club. Yeah. Yeah. A male dancer because I don't work Sundays. So, and we also, I would love to, to fact check that to see that, if, if uh, January. I those, these are trivia bits. It wasn't actually a Sunday on the day on that day in 1980 or whatever. I was New Year's wondering so, about that. I was so like, okay, was I wonder how about. accurate that was, you know, was yeah. it, was it a Sunday? So was he a choir boy? I don't, I don't get that. Cause he was no choir boy, No, but I wasn't. am going in order here. Ace of spades plays and Bert, uh, Jack, Har uh, Ace of spades gets or... a call. okay. Yes. Gets a call. Picks oh, up. Oh God. Yeah. And his face gets very serious and he tells everyone, Shh, turn down the music, everything. And the Colonel is on the other line and you don't know what's happened yet, but, but Jack Hand oh, Horner Jack says, Andy. I'm just going to be stuck with that, says, I'll be right there. And right there is prison. Yeah. So he Jail. goes into yeah. the, the visitor's area where there's sort of glass between the prisoner and, and whoever's coming to visit and they're on the phone. And the, the colonel has been caught with a, 
a 15 year old girl who overdosed on on drugs yeah with him but that wasn't the worst of it he he still has jack with him like okay you can get out of that yeah. you didn't do anything with her right she you yeah. didn't know she was 15 right and then the colonel says uh but they found something jack i have a weakness you see and jack's sort of looking like why well, I, I don't know where you're going with this where are you going with this yeah. And then the colonel starts, and it's really a great acting performance because he went from high and mighty financier to this pathetic, yeah. pathetic man on the other side of that glass. And he says, I have this weakness, Jack. They're just so cute. They're so yeah. adorable. I don't touch them, I promise. And you see Burt Reynolds' character, Jack, just sort of sit back like, oh, man. Yeah. Don't, don't, I can't. And he puts his phone down. He hasn't quite hung up yet, but the colonel is begging him. Tell me you're my friend, Jack. Yeah. Just say I'm your friend. Say I'm your friend. And Bert just hangs up the phone, walks away. He's disgusted. Yeah. And, and, and we do get another check-in on the colonel <laughs> later. Yeah, we get a check-in on the colonel. Yeah. And then I, I think it just cuts to, uh, does it Does it then cut to, I, don't, I mean, another I don't wanna... party. Yeah, I don't think we need to break down it, the, the, the you know, everything scene by scene by scene. But yeah. the next significant thing that happens is is they're filming and then there's the fallout between Jack and Dirk. Yes. But but what what we find out is uh, that Dirk is is starting to do all kinds of drugs. Yeah. And it's well, affecting... he meets Johnny Doe uh, as as yeah, Jack says, I forgot the about new that. kid on the block or, Becky, or Becky's Becky's wedding. That's I for, completely forgot about that. Becky's wedding. So Becky Which, and Jerome marry and it's a yeah. beautiful wedding. But a a new actor is on scene and he's Dirk has fallen and he meets this new actor called Johnny Doe. And I think there was a real John Doe type porn actor, wasn't there? I, I one named Johnny yeah, Doe. Yeah, rings a bell. But go ahead. Um, and and Dirk is really rude and todd is waiting there sort of at the door and they go off together like right. you know screw you you're replacing me i'm i'm out yeah and make some reference to crystal meth or something yeah they make, you know we see them and it looks like they're in a the pool house or, or by jack's house and you can tell they're getting ready to shoot another movie mm -hmm. and uh and the drugs have taken over to the point where it, he's not just snorting coke he's he's snorting meth now yeah. Um, because he, Todd makes some sort of reference to like carpet, carpet Coke, or I, I don't, we, we have to look into that because I don't really know what that I, means. Is that an ingredient? or, or, style I, or I, I don't know exactly. There's so many, so many things that we were researching yeah. this film. And, and I, there was one of those, one of those where it made I, me feel really square. Like, I don't know what that is. Well, just that there's all kinds of shit and meth. So, <laughs> so yeah, don't not do that it, I, don't, don't shoot. Don't do those drugs, guys. Yes. Not good for you. Uh, so they're bad. rude. He's getting ruder. He's he's always been really polite to everyone, super sweet to everyone. But yeah. the drugs change him. Mm -hmm. And even Roller Girl, when she she comes by, who, who's he sitting with? Todd and Dirk Diggler are sitting together. And maybe it's Reed. She says, hi, how are you guys doing? And they basically say, you know, bump off, go. Yeah. They're, they're rude to her. Yeah. He knows he has a scene to shoot, but the the drugs are messing with his bodily functions. So he's not going to be able to perform. Right. He he tries a little self-fluffing. Yeah. Try some self-fluffing to get ready to shoot. Yes. 
and basically goes out to where the crew is discussing how the film will go down and says, Jack, we can shoot right now. I'm ready. And he's clearly out of his mind on drugs. Burt Reynolds character, Jack Horner knows this and there's kind of a showdown. Isn't there between there? Jack there Burt. is. J J uh, Jack says, I'm not going to shoot you in this state. And Dirk goes, state, what state? Fucking state, state, of, fucking California. state of California. Um, but Jack's point is like, you look like shit and I'm not going to shoot you if you look like shit. Mm -hmm. And, and <laughs> I just love how, man, Burt Reynolds is so good in this movie. He just yeah. keeps coming back to that sort of, there's a professionalism about Jack. That's like, I'm not going to put you out there. If you look bad, I'm not mm -hmm. going to do it. I'm not going to do that to my film, but I'm not going to do that to you. Get yourself together. And it turns into a big fight. And Dirk basically tells him to, you know, Jack fires him. Off. Yeah. D yeah. Yeah. As a result of that. Yep. I'm telling you, I am ready to perform. So you get it together. He tells it's... the director this. <laughs> and Jack has had enough and says, you're fired. Get out yeah. of here. Get out of my face. I mean, it's getting to fist. It almost gets to fisticuffs, too. It just it goes nuts. Oh, but Reed he... is such a peacemaker. He's leading Dirk out of there. <laughs> and he calls back to Jack. I'll, I'll set him all right, you know, and in the meantime, taking care of his friends. Just let too. him go. I'll just get him to cool off. He'll, we'll come back, Jack. We'll come back. Oh, yes. So then then comes a time where, where Dirk Diggler has to find himself. Like, what's he going to do now that he's not the big star of, mm -hmm. of this porn business? So what's there was something else that happened right before they were supposed to shoot that scene, and it really set him off. He looks out as they're snorting meth, right? He looks yeah. out. John Doe is in the pool and Amber is sitting there talking to him. Yeah. And it, it it's almost like that is the, the that lit the fuse. I know. didn't catch that he was talking to Amber. That would be double jeopardy then, wouldn't it? Because yeah. here's this young kid and he's talking to Amber. Right. His mm -hmm. special friend. You know, friend. Yeah. Relationship. Yes. And connection with with all of it yes. so uh so we see this this divergence of storylines yes uh, everything kind of is is splitting off into these branches we got buck buck and, and jesse jesse are uh buck is he wants he tells her his big dream is right. to own a a hi-fi uh, what would you call it? A hi-fi stereo shop. Yeah, a high high-end uh, bucks discount at discount prices. Stereo, <laughs> stereo, high-end uh, stereo equipment at discount prices. But he has a yes. vision. He has a dream. And Jesse, they're together now, and it's really sweet. And she, that scene in the bank is just awesome. It it she is. Just looks at him so lovingly and so supportively, and and you're just like you're rooting for them. You you're yes. like yeah. I want this to happen for them. And, the, and he's in his three-piece suit and she's in her pearls and a nice dress with hair up. They've got the, the I don't know, the uh, down payment. They've got all their their forms in order. They want a loan, a business loan from the bank so that he can start a legit business. And basically the bank manager says, no, we don't, don't deal with your type. We don't deal with pornographers. And... <laughs> Buck is shocked and Jesse is shocked. Just, just tell me whatever I got to sign. What, what, yeah. what, tell me, tell me what, what to I write should down. Say yeah. What is. should I write down on the paper? Yeah. And he just blows him off and he goes, it's not, this is not fair. It's not yeah. fair. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, uh, and I don't know if that's like a, uh, kind of a, something that, you know, Paul Thomas Anderson is probably trying to, a, a point he's trying to make that just because people are filming, it, it should not impact any decisions that they're doing. Should they want to change, you know, become a, you know, massage therapist or, uh, uh, um, you know, use car sale, you know, open a used car lot or, or open a, uh, a diner, <laughs> whatever yeah. their future ambitions are. They should and they be. all have future ambitions. Every yeah. one of them says, this is what I want to be yeah. uh, at Becky's wedding, Becky and Jerome's wedding. They say they're going to move to Bakerfield. They're mm -hmm. out all together. Yeah. Buck and Jesse, Jesse is very much with child, uh, you know, shortly after this, this scene, and I think the the pace of the movie gets very weird because you get these almost vignettes of each yeah. character, each uh, group of characters, vignettes right. of Reed and Dirk and sometimes Todd, vignettes of Buck and Jesse, vignettes of what what's happening with Jack Horner. Uh, yeah, what uh, what happens is um, so Buck is trying to get uh, a business loan. Mm -hmm. you see roller girl trying to get her ged yes i believe yeah. or does that does that happen there or is she no no not it's, yet it's a little further yeah it's further the first, the first sort of let's try something else on is in the in the studio the music studio dirk and yes reed are trying to make music yeah they're, they're, and i have to tell you it, it's really bad they use a real song i didn't you've got the touch and this is an anachronism because that wasn't made until or released until 1986 and they're trying to do a cover of you got the touch <laughs> very 80s and marky uh, marky mark marky mark and the um, funky bunch mark Wahlberg <laughs> mark. really is off key and can't sing right. so i had to stop and and ask myself oh can he sing is he really doing great acting by and i don't know i couldn't hear him singing much as i did my little search yeah there's it's not good he's he's doing a demo he's trying to he's trying to he and john uh what is john yeah. c Raleigh's? he and yeah. Reed are, are working on demos they're in a recording studio uh I, I i was wrong roller girl the roller girl thing doesn't happen till later but we yeah. do see amber trying to get uh meet uh and get visitation with her youngest yes youngest child is her youngest son Yes. And that doesn't go well either, you know? No. And, and so we're hopping, seeing vignette to vignette to vignette right. and, and seeing what's, what's become of each of these people. And, and in the, in between these people trying to branch out from their <laughs> porn career and do something positive for themselves or something, you know, fulfill those goals or those dreams, the, the two shots we get of, of Dirk and Todd and John C. Riley are Todd comes in. He has a big, about a baseball or softball size bag of drugs. And they're, Half and they're, a kilo, and, they say. Yeah. And they're and with baking powder. Well, no, 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 not yet. Not yet. Because oh, this okay. is when they're doing, they're, they still have money to do the drugs. So he shows up. There's oh. Reed and Reed and Dirk are sitting on the, the sofa and, and they're like smiling. They're like, hey, man, where you been? So he brings in a about a softball size bag of drugs and then we see those cuts back and forth with the other characters and then 
as they go back to them after those cuts, we see Todd walk in and he's got a much smaller bag of drugs. <laughs> yes. And, and, and then they're not in a good mood. They're like, God damn it. Where have you been? You know, they're, and they're really pissed off. So that gets kind of, uh, sliced yeah. in or inserted in with, with those, those different little, um, trajectories that we see the, the, and, and what's interesting is while they're in. going into this very, you know, coked up or messed up state of mind, the, the, the three guys, Todd, mm. Reed and Dirk, the, on the other side of it, you have roller girl and Amber waves. They're also in her bedroom, right. just, you know, ramped yeah. up on Coke, right? Like out of their minds delusionally. And, and it's kind of a powerful scene because roller girl, you, you get the sense that she doesn't have any family. And she says, can I call you mom? Say, say I'm your mom, say I'm your mom, Amber waves. And yeah. they talk about their dreams. Like I, maybe I'll get my GED and Amber says, and, and I'm going to do things differently too. I want to see my son. And, you know, I think it's the, it's the saddest scene in the whole movie to me yeah. because, uh, you know, probably second only to the, 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 uh, when they're meeting with the judge about visitation for amber waves so they're they're flying on drugs too so you, the the drug presence becomes really really heavy in that last third of the movie and um with everyone except for buck and jesse and jack we don't see jack, and jack but, we don't see him ever do yeah. that no yeah uh and buck and jesse and you know are they're like the all-American couple. That's <laughs> just so sweet about them. So um, we're back yeah. and forthing with three vignettes, Todd, Reed, and Dirk, mm -hmm. Buck and Jesse, yeah. and Amber and Roller Girl. Yeah. Those are pretty quick vignettes, right? Right. Maybe so, and this really cool, this really cool series of events happens as as we go out of that. We know that Dirk and, and uh, Reed are, are using more drugs. We know yeah. that things haven't really turned out well for Buck and Jesse. And we know that uh, what else happens? We have this convergence, but they miss each other in yes. that one shot. Dirk is, is picked up in a pickup truck. We, it's, it's nighttime. Dirk is, is picked up by a guy in a pickup truck. Yeah. We also uh, see Buck and, and his, um, and Buck and Jesse wind up at a donut shop. And mm -hmm. what, what else? Uh, oh, and Jack and roller girl. And who was, who was with them? There's like a third person there. I think Kurt, the, the, video Kurt, the, the, the yeah. videographer at this right. point. Yes. And, uh, hold on. I'll tell you what it's called. Uh, they call it on the lookout, right. a series of amateur, uh, video vignettes with right. people they just basically pick up off the street that roller right. girl's supposed to be with when they film so three three different things are going down we, we don't see buck and jesse until late later in that whole series but we, we yes. do see that going back and forth between between jack roller girl and kurt trying to film this sort of uh very early era reality sex yes. sex tape yeah. and we see Dirk getting picked up and he, he must be on the hustle. Right. I, I think that's not clear the way we're describing it. He needs more money. So he is hustling at that point. I think he, yeah, he's waiting hustling. on a corner, a kind of, you did, know, did, did he, did you figure out what he said to his potential trick 
Yes. He said, I just want to watch. Maybe I'll join in later. No, the, the guy, the trick says that to Kurt. Oh, oh, oh. Or not to Kurt, to Dirk. Scene? No, 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 no. When, um, when Dirk is picked up, you don't even see Dirk in that shot. You just see this truck. It's nighttime and a truck comes around the corner, lights on. It's somewhere. So he says, are you waiting for someone? Right. Dirk says, I, I might be, but I, I, I don't know if he's going to show up. The guy says, well, do you want to wait in the car? Dirk says, well, that's yeah. nice of you. And then they cut to a parking lot. Obviously, they're going. But what it, does what does Dirk say to the, the p- trick? What does he say to him? Um, he says the, something the like, client. what do you want? He says, what do you want? Yeah. And the guy is very uncomfortable. And right. you don't know at this point if he's really picking Dirk up or not. And he says, I just want to watch. I'm oh, not no. gay. No, no, no. Let, let me let me stop the naivety. <laughs> Wait, you know, you, you, you get the you get the sense he that does not say the explicit words. No, 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 no. That truck is coming down a certain certain alleyway in in a certain area of town, knowing yes. that a certain individual type of individual will be there. So there there yes. is no misunderstanding when he pulls over and you see Dirk kind of like come out of the shadows. Yes. He's he knows what's up. So he's like, what would you like or what do you want? Yes. Yeah. I'm so. not naive. I, I didn't think that they were going to go off and plant daisies. You know, I I I knew that. OK, I was like, there was no there, there was no <laughs> doubt in my mind that that's what the, that's what was going to happen, that that's what he was looking for. I might have been born <laughs> yesterday. Um such a dainty, you're such a dainty flower um <laughs> sheltered delicate thing i am uh, <laughs> so go go on so he sets him up. i'm so sorry uh, redneck guy roughneck whatever right. you want to call it. he's in a pickup truck he takes dirk and i think he must know who he is dirk asks him do you know who i am oh yeah yeah and I forgot he says, that. no no man yeah. and he has dirk perform for him on himself you know yeah and, and then i think two or three other pickup trucks show up but we're mm. we're intercutting with these other vignettes in the limo yes. the yeah. bank yeah or at the donut shop now right yeah we're focusing on a lot of different characters are we making this more convoluted than it actually is i don't know no like, if it, you in the movie yeah. and you're listening to us describe this wouldn't you be like what are they talking about no, we can just we can just sum sum it up. So what happens is Bert, Bert, Bert Reynolds, Jack and his film crew pick up a guy. He winds up getting rough with with Roller Girl, Roller Girl. Well, he was a former classmate of hers. Yes. Yeah. He says, do you recognize me? Yeah. He tries and to. And it's the first and only time we hear Roller Girl's name, too. Right. He says, you're Brandy. Yeah. School. Yeah. And, and it's the first time we see Roller Girl actually she's the sweet sweet girl she gets she loses her mind over this right and begin stomp him with her roller skate on the pavement stomp well, his at, at first jack gets pissed off at him because he insults his films yes but then uh roller girl just loses it and just starts yeah. to stomp him and then and then they're like oh shit she might yeah. <laughs> she, yeah we don't I want mean, her going to jail or you know yeah the old school roller skates hell no and he, they just both drag her back into the to yes. the limo for her own protection like oh no we can't have you stomping this guy to death with your roller skates that can't happen 
So tension yeah. among all the vignettes is becoming right. heightened, yeah. heightened, heightened. Right. We, we don't see everything in one shot. It's just about yeah. to happen, about to happen, about to happen. And, and I, you know what? I don't think we need to spoil, uh, you know, the, uh, Dirk and uh, not Dirk, uh, Buck. Buck. I don't think we have to spoil Buck and Jesse. That that works out. Um, we we do know that uh, we we can say that what happens with Dirk is bad. He gets he gets the shit beat out of him by by these rednecks. He basically got set up, just like he said. And then uh, and then Roller Girl is dragged away. <laughs> <laughs> so she doesn't wind up uh, being uh, arrested for manslaughter. So the, we just see yeah. the guy kind of like coughing up, you know, coughing blood in the street. He, you know, yeah. got his face mashed in pretty bad. And we're but, up to 1983 by now. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't take note of that. So that is, that's sort of, we think that's the climax, but then. <laughs> no, but wait, there's more. If you're but not. Wait, there's more. So it's, uh, now would be a good time to talk about uh, the. Do you want to talk about the uh, John Holmes criminal background? The I think you're you're very well versed at, at, in that, and they make a reference without really referencing it in the film, and that would be the the Wonderland murders. Do you mean? Yeah, it's they were. Let's see what some of the names of them were. Wonderland murders, also called the Four on the Floor murders, uh, uh, the Laurel Canyon murders, and I. You know, there there are going to be other true crime podcasts out there that are going to cover this material, and it, it should be pretty well known by now. And there is a film called Wonderland, starring yes. Val Kilmer, which I thought was brilliant casting uh, lisa kudrow plays his wife and i don't know you know i saw the film a long time ago i haven't i've only seen it once but i can tell you that the very good casting as far as kilmer and kudrow and uh she's just great i mean i i love val kilmer but man lisa kudrow is a very talented actor and I, I, you know, maybe we'll cover Wonderland and, I, but the, the gist of Wonderland, uh, John Holmes drug addiction had gotten so bad that he fell in with some really bad people. And, uh, because he won, he couldn't cover his drug habit. So he wound up, uh, getting, uh, one of his connections was a guy named Eddie Nash in, Southern California, who owned a bunch of nightclubs. Uh, Eddie Nash was a, an, a pal he was an immigrant from Palestine, but uh, he had Lebanon. Yeah. Oh, Lebanon. Okay, so he was from Lebanon, but he had um, become very successful. He owned a bunch of nightclubs, but he was also dealing drugs. What he would do is loan out, or not loan, but he would give. Uh, Holmes drugs on credit mm -hmm. and Holmes was always short money. Holmes, he did some really messed up things, right? Sam, he, not only was he married, but he, he also had a, an underage girlfriend or he yes. had gotten involved with her. Neighbor, I, you know, through all of our investigation, Beth, I can't for the life of me understand why John Holmes wife was not at all into this business. She was a right. registered mm -hmm. nurse. 
She was very straight laced, didn't do drugs, didn't wasn't around ever any of these sets, but she stayed married to him. It's it's just and I've heard her in an that one I mentioned before, Wad, The Life and Times of John C. Holmes. She sort of darkened out to protect her anonymity. Right. And in fact, I don't even know her name. Right. But uh, and she, in a very measured way, talks about their relationship and talks about all the stuff he was doing, including taking in the underage girl that he starts seeing right. that, that was the daughter of the new neighbor. This 15-year-old girl, Dawn, and he gets so desperate for drugs that he starts basically pimping the new girl out, Dawn. Yeah, he pimps this this young girl out. So she and, and he's, what can only be called Stockholm Syndrome and yeah. does his work. It's very, very violent. Um, he became very violent because of his drug abuse. And I don't, I don't really want to get too much into... The Wonderland murders. There, there, there's a ton of podcasts out there that would cover it. But just to say that, that what happens next in the movie is directly uh, right. related to what had happened with Wonderland, and and because Eddie Nash, who had all these drugs, and he had uh, all this money because he owned nightclubs and he was dealing drugs, and then there's a whole. A whole nother part to to Wonderland, uh, be, the the murders themselves. There's tons of podcasts out there you can go listen to them. Mm-hmm. I will say this: nobody, even though three people were brought to trial, all three of them were acquitted. So yes. Holmes was brought to trial; he was acquitted. Then Nash was brought to trial; he was acquitted. Uh, and or no, Gregory Dials, who was uh, Nash's, I think, bodyguard or something. I think he was the second one that was tried for the for the crime, and then uh, and then Nash and I think all three of them were acquitted. So uh, the point um, is that the crime itself kind of pops up or or inspires a scene in the movie, which yes. is you know Dirk and Reed and Todd are completely tapped out of money and tapped out of drugs so what they decide to do is hit up this guy what what is alfred rahad jackson rahad jackson (laughs) played by beautifully just wonderfully i love this man so much by alfred molina yeah yeah brilliant such a great scene and and i attribute that brilliant scene now that i'm disenchanted with uh, paul thomas anderson to alfred molina's genius (laughs) <laughs> you know, but you know what sam that's actually valid because yeah. i do wonder when you watch that scene with alfred molina because it, yeah. what they're trying to do is exactly what holmes and some of his cronies did which is they knew nash had drugs money and probably you know jewelry watches whatever yes. at his house so they decided to go over there and rip off the guy's house which is exactly what happens in the movie yes uh, although Todd- it's not they decide uh, well, Todd does. Todd is the mastermind. <laughs> right. And he and and Reed and Dirk think that they're just going to try to pass off some baking soda as half a kilo of cocaine. Right. And Todd has a bigger idea. He knows this guy has a safe with drugs and money and jewels and and all this other stuff and doesn't bother to tell Dirk and Reed that that's part of his plan as well. 
Yeah. But what what makes this film so tense for or this scene so tense for you, Beth? The scene. Well, you know my my crush, my crush for John C. Riley. Yes. <laughs> I, I realize I have a massive crush for John C. Riley. <laughs> um he they first of all, they don't they're they were like, oh yeah, we're gonna pass off baking soda as as Coke and and get like you know five grand for it. So they go in there, but uh, before they get into the house, right? Is it John C. Riley notices the gun, or or they just know? He's like, what do you, what do you need a gun for, man? <laughs> Why yeah. are you bringing a gun? That's not cool. We didn't talk about guns, right? So they, they and they come, out of their depth. They get they get they get invited in. They're they're sitting on the sofa. Molina's there, and then Molina's—I don't know if it's his partner, his friend, but uh, he's setting off firecrackers and just. What are those things called? There's they snap pops. You used to be able to—you throw them to the ground yeah. and they make like a gunshot sound. What yeah, but those, these, those, those are snapping snapping pops. But that he was really lighting—he was really lighting firecrackers. <laughs> oh, okay, oh and God. we don't really know what. And Molina is sitting there. He's—he's he's got his. Uh, little underwear and in a silk robe and open and that's a, he's perfectly happy and a, comfortable a lot's underwear <laughs> yes remember because my dad always wanted him for christmas and it's just disturbing and he's super sociable and and that's what todd is counting on too because yeah. he always likes to have people in and out and around him yeah so partying yeah just come on yeah man we're just listening to my mixtape and we're gonna really proud of his mixtape and sister christian or what is it called sister christian comes sister on Chris. it's so funny i'll never think of that song the same way and and this guy snapping the the firecrackers it's mm -hmm. just constant and every time he snaps one everyone's kind of jumps yeah. yeah so it's tension 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 right. because of that that's kind of brilliant i'll give that to Anderson. well in that scene when the three of them are sitting at todd and uh reed and dirk reed Reed, Reed, John C. Riley is sitting in the middle, and initially, from that point with they're, where they're sitting down, they, when the camera cuts over to the couch where they're sitting, it's first anchored on John C. Riley's face, and mm -hmm. keeps keeps going there. And he, his character is the first one that notices that when when he comes over to hand the money to him, the I don't know who played Gregory Dial, huh? What? Repeat what you just said. You your uh, voice just uh, the audio okay sorry about that so the the camera initially focuses on john c riley when they're sitting on the sofa and his nervousness it's sort of like the pivot point initially when that scene starts and that they're looking back and forth they know that they're going to get the money but then they get nervous because they're like, wait a minute, he's going to weigh it out. He's this, the, the guy that's playing out. It's fake, fake. When he walks over with the five grand, he leans. And I think John C. Riley sees the gun holster within his jacket and he nudges Dirk and, and uh, it's just, and great. they both look terrified. Don't they like, Oh yeah. my God, getting real. Like it's too real. The cuts are good too. Because yeah. it, the, we get, I think we get one cut of Todd, but a lot of it are just these partial cuts back and forth between Reed and and Dirk, and and Reed is keeps you know kind of turning his head. We see him leaning yeah. over, kind of trying to whisper in Dirk's 
you're like there's a great zoom close-up of dirk during Mm -hmm. all of that where he just looks like i am out of my depth and you don't know if he's completely messed up from the drugs but also he thinks i'm gonna die here yeah yeah i think i'm gonna die here and the camera just sticks on him and he, he really does a good acting job there you you really feel like he's he's out of his depth and feels like he's gonna die he's very still very his body is very still and and he looks his, defeated and his face his face is it's like the uh you're sitting there and you're like thinking like the john c Riley character like you guys gotta get out of there <laughs> you gotta get out of there um and then finally like it was almost like survival instinct uh kicks yes. in yes. but um we don't have to get into exactly what happens other than it what goes down is bad it's really really bad can I just say one thing about that scene? Yes. 99 Luftballons is playing on, on as this violence is happening. And it's just, it's a great <laughs> irony that 99 Luftballons. But then I was like, I hadn't heard the song since whenever it came out, 80s, right? Right. And I'm thinking 99 Luftballons means 99 air balloons. What other kind of balloon can there be but an air balloon? <laughs> It's a stupid name for a song. 99 air balloons. I don't know. Helium balloons? Helium balloons, water balloon. I don't know, but it's <laughs> it's ridiculous. They what just is, wanted to put Luft in there. Nina did. What is what is water in, in German? Wasser. 99 Wasser. Wasser balloon. Ballonen. <laughs> Nine and nine six Wasser ballooning. Uh, <laughs> say that fast. Nine and nine Wasser ballooning. All right. So, bitte, um, hast du nine and nine six Wasser ballooning? Bitte. Um, so, <laughs> we, we will we'll conclude. We'll wrap up as the as far as the film goes. Yes. That is that. You know, just when we thought. That that one terrible night where you know three different horrible things are going down. Then we we see another night, or maybe it was even the next night, yeah. where uh you know Dirk and and uh, Reed almost get killed, and yes. and it, it's horrible. And he Dirk is basically with a broken down car, and can you hear me? Can you hear me? Try again. Now go ahead. Tell, you you, you talk to. All right. You do this um, part. <laughs> oh, oh, do this okay. part. So there, there's basically a big shootout, and Todd is shooting at the bodyguard. The bodyguard shooting at Dirk and 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 Reed. They're jumping behind the bar. Uh, Rahad has taken off to his bedroom to go collect a a massive shotgun, and I think he blows uh, Todd away. Yeah. Somehow Reed and Dirk escape. They try to run to the Corvette, which is all banged up. And I'll tell you why in a minute. It's a cut scene. But uh, there's no gas in the car, but they start pushing it. Reed can't get it in time. So he takes off running another direction. Dirk is getting into his vet. It's got it's running on fumes, no gas in it. And I think the next cut is to him pushing it into the front of Jack's house. Like he yeah. goes back to Jack. Yeah. 
We well, actually, we see we see Jack. We see the the car won't go anywhere, right? It won't won't go anymore. Yeah. And then we see Jack in his kitchen making eggs. Yes, he's yeah. always so domestic, and and, and Dirk comes in and he's he's broken. He's yeah. completely hit rock bottom. Yeah. He apologizes, and it's just a very touching scene. Although I do get the sensation because we get it from a particular angle that you've got Bert stand in because it's just like this person's back for the longest time as Mark Wahlberg gives his uh, apology speech. And then you get another cut from the other side and you see Bert Reynolds hugging him from his from that perspective. Hmm, I don't know if it was a that bothered me. Oh. It's probably just his directorial choice because I thought I didn't think I saw too many. Well, yeah, there would have been a cut there. So, but uh, I thought it was a really well played scene. Yeah. And you really get a sense that there is something very paternal. Um, just how, you know, you understood how, how important Amber was mm -hmm. to Dirk. He never yeah. quite understood how important important jack was to him and then at that moment there's that apology but it's also you you mean something to me too which i thought was a heartfelt apology it's yeah. not he he realizes that's there's no way i i just almost died because of all of my choices yeah and and but the i like the acknowledgement that um that he realizes that that jack cared about him yeah he he wasn't going to Expl he wasn't going to explain he was looking out for him. after all that the jack put it he gives he gives dirk a big hug mm -hmm. and welcomes him home back yeah. to their surrogate family yeah back to their surrogate gives him family. another chance and then we see like from that we see some really cool things don't we well i i think this is where we both agree it gets a little truncated sort of like um all right, let's wrap this up. Let's wrap up Buck and Jesse. Let's wrap up Roller Girl. Let's wrap up Maurice. Let's wrap up uh, Jesse and Buck and and, and everybody. Yeah. A tidy little bow. So Buck gets his stereo shot store, and for a commercial, Amber Waves is directing it. She's actually directing for a high boots, I think. Yeah, <laughs> le legitimate directorial work. She's doing a com re recording his or directing his commercial. Yeah, and they've uh, they have a baby. Yes. Which is really cute. What did they name the baby? I can't remember that. Do we know that? I don't know. That's the the very, very last shot of the film was great, but but go on. Yeah. Um okay, so, so Roller Girl sits her GED. Right. She's sitting and for she's her kind GED. of spacing out. So I don't know if she passes, but it doesn't matter. She's gone for it. Right. She sits her GED. Um, there's a cut to back to the jail house, and the colonel has a lovely roommate, cellmate, and He's basically getting bitch slapped around. It looks like the other guy has a Bible, like he's reading verse yes, to the colonel. Looks like he's reading from it looks like he's just reading from the Bible and the guy's like just crying. But yes. Yeah. I, oh, I, maybe I pedophiles maybe. aren't treated well in jail. There's a special honor among criminals kind of thing. And right. Pedophiles get theirs in, in other ways. Um, there's uh, a cut to Maurice's big dream because he has these brothers back in Puerto Rico and he finally gets his own club and it says, uh, what does it say? The Rodriguez brothers, but they misspelled it, huge neon letters, but <laughs> they put a Q instead of a G for Rodriguez. And, but, um, and I think I had read that that was a mistake somehow yeah. for the set design people, but it was so funny. They said 
keep it. Oh, let's cool. keep it. Um, yeah. Let's see. Read. I. This is based on something real, like a like a topless magic show was kind of a thing. So Reed gets to do his magic, uh, magic show. Yeah, that's, we didn't that touch on. Dream. Yeah, that was his thing. That he was. We find out like in through the parties, he's he's doing the illusions. I love that one scene with him yeah. and Don Cheadle. <laughs> yeah, that cracked me. Up. It's confusing. Do you really want to? Con- yeah, it's confusing. Don't. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Uh, yeah. The noise is so loud in the bar that the two are having a uh, talking at cross purposes. And it's right. just a, so, so everybody's getting a nice little bow put on them. And yeah, the you, final oh. bow is for, um, you know, Jack walks through the house and there's a little hat tip to little Bill because is Jesse doing all these bad paintings of, of all the characters? <laughs> Jesse they're really too. bad like <laughs> paintings he's got a, he's got a dirt and others of dirt you know but but he has you know little bill hanging up there and i thought that was sweet yeah and i don't think jack moves so you know it you know the, he has a portrait up there of little bill after little bill has shot shot two people and himself in his house so yes it's but it's a family you you forgive family yeah. And um, and the very last scene is he's being given his uh, his second chance at life. Yeah, Dirk is perform. Dirk is Dirk yes. Is. And I'm what I read is that that little routine he has where he says I'm a star, I'm a star, I'm a star, I'm a shining star, was kind of an homage or hat tip to Raging Bull. I guess Robert De Niro had some sort of routine where he would he would have his mantra he'd look in the mirror and say i'm the boss i'm the boss you know you're the boss or maybe not those exact words but but sort of psych himself up and then there's the shocker scene yeah i have a question there did de niro used to do that before he would in raging bull his character does oh okay okay all right i was just i I don't know what the man does for real it's pretty amazing so another scorsese reference i thought there were maybe three scorsese references there and then we get the shock shot yeah the prosthetic what's the story about the prosthetic i don't know what it was made of but mark uh, mark Wahlberg got to keep it as a souvenir it's a 13 inch (laughs) prosthetic penis and i guess it started deteriorating pretty quickly and so it's all scabby and falling apart and i guess he has it hanging in his home hanging or would you put it in a bookshelf or i I would personally just put it in a shadow box. I don't know. Uh, um, what would you? I, I mean, um, I just, I don't, I don't part know. Part of a mobile you. or I don't know <laughs> for the baby. Dog toy. <laughs> yeah, I don't have children. So. Uh, um, a couple things about the ending. Okay. And I'd kind of like, and it, it's not a complaint. It just felt like sort of trite and truncated. Yeah. And I had asked myself, like, am I, Am I okay? Am I satisfied with this ending, or does it just sort of minimize some some serious things that uh, some things that are still seriously problematic about the industry? I guess I, I yeah. don't know that we can we can just all wish that there are happy endings, but but in you know what is the reality of that? And uh, and then there, what did you think about? Bert walks in 
it's really the last we see of Julianne Moore's character, Amber Waves. And he looks in the mirror. She's looking in the mirror, getting ready for her scene, right? Because they're going to get ready. Right. To and and he says, he says I, I'm looking, staring at me. And he goes, because I'm looking at the, is it foxiest bitch? The yeah, foxiest bitch that ever lived or something yeah, like that. Yeah, you're the foxiest bitch but that ever she lived. She has basically no reaction to that. Right. So he still loves her and she is still beautiful, but she, she her face is just a mask, a blank mask, not blank, happy, not yeah. sad, just completely neutral. That's a really good observation, Sam. Yeah. How do we feel about the, that line now? I don't, I actually don't have a problem with that. It's hard to explain to younger contemporary people that back then, <laughs> um, well, it's 1983 when they're shooting. It doesn't shooting seem like a very intimate thing to say, but right. Him. In the seventies, that was, you know, you could, you could look on the back of magazines and stuff and they would have like these, you could order all these different kinds of t-shirts with, you know, keep on trucking or do you know what I'm talking about? Yes. I or, do. you know, go to those funky gift gift stores yeah. in the mall and they'd have the t-shirts lined up that you yes. could do, get the all right, press. Particularly like at Spencer's, remember yeah. Spencer's gifts, yeah. you get the black light, the posters right. that worked well with the black lights, the t-shirts, anything that would make your room really cool because your room was your, your whole world, right? Your right. Post. But Foxy was, Foxy was a term to describe a hot looking I think that was before our time. Have you ever used the term Fox? Oh, I never did, I, but I know my brother did. <laughs> my brother was seven years old. Yes. Yes. I just think of Foxy lady for more. Yeah. I, I've heard of Foxy lady, but I, it's what's really weird was I remember like hearing older girls refer to a guy as a Fox Yeah, and thinking that's weird. Cause I thought only Fox, you know, Foxes were only or Foxy only replied to women. Um, but foxy bitch. And that's as close as he can get to saying, I love you. He yeah. never, we never see a tender. We don't even see them in a right. tender. They have different bedrooms. It seems right. I don't know. He loves her, but, he does maybe, love her. but I don't, I never know if they're an item as well. Mm. Maybe he's more, uh, you know, if she's a mother to everyone, then he's a father to everyone, including her. Who knows? So there goes the surrogate family part. All right. You play the role of the mother. I'm the father. Right. And um, I think the thing that makes the ending work is they, another song. They jump right into ELO's Living Thing, which is one of the best songs ever, ever. created, in my opinion. I'm, I'm right there with you. Dun, 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 uh, and I did read that they fought for that. Yellow did not want to give the rights to that song because of the subject matter. And it took a lot of convincing before they would release on that. It wasn't just money, it was subject matter. And they took exception. Really? And I convinced, yeah. Did did Jeff Lynn take exception or what because I think it was. Does he still have the right? That there seemed to be, I don't even remember the whole legal debate. But uh oh god, yeah, that's one of the one of the best albums, I think. That that ever. Is, <laughs> that in the wall for me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Billy Joel. Ever Certainly did. one of the very very best albums of that era, the late seventies. That along with Breakfast not, in America and Super Tramp, I, I think uh, of those two albums is perfection. Yep. And so, um, just 
essence of that time, that yeah. a snapshot emotionally, the music. It, oh yeah. man, if you're into LPs, guys, I'm to I just recently got uh, that was uh, two birthdays ago. I got back into into vinyl, mm-hmm. and I I don't know. It's a different experience for me to yeah. to listen to how an album is arranged and to hear the, I don't know, hear the needle on the, on the grooves and to have the sound set up in a certain way. Put the needle on the record. Put the needle on the record. I mean, it's a Um, pain in the ass to flip it. That sucks. But, but it also makes you aware that you don't, you can't just have everything you want instantly, even though it seems like you can. So it gets you back to that tactile. You've got to flip the record over even. What a pain in the ass. No, it's not. It's really not a big deal to walk over to your record player and, and flip the channel rather, rather than hitting whatever's on your playlist. So I, yeah. I don't know, it's a reminder. I think albums, the whole thing about albums is that they were an, ex, an experience, something you experienced and you could share it with somebody or a yeah, the liner somebody's. Notes. Yeah. Yeah. There was something really engrossing about the whole, the whole process or you can just pouring look, over like Rolling Stone and Cream Magazine and looking yeah. for all the gossip. And, yeah. Looking at the t-shirt ads in the back for Foxy Bitches. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> I, all right. Confession time. And I, I have to preface this by saying my mother caught me and made me return it. So it's not like an, a, a, a cold case crime. But when I, was, when I was 14, I really coveted one of those shirts that said a touch of class with like a glittery rose. Oh, my which God. Is anything but classy, I guess. Right. So I pocketed or, you know, I, I shoplifted a shirt that said a touch of class. My mother found it and was like, where did you get this tacky thing? <laughs> and I guess I was a bad liar. And she said, get in the car with it. Where did you go? And I can't remember. It was like, what was that store in the Twin City Mall called? Was there a Jefferson's or a? Yeah, there was, I think there was a Jefferson's. And then there was, uh, um, oh, geez. I know which one you're talking about. And I had to go to the remember. manager and with my mom standing there, like she's going to have to do community service or something free for these guys yeah. and big crocodile tears. I said, I'm so sorry that I took this and I would like to return it. And he was very sweet to me and said, you poor thing. This must've been eating at your conscience. And I'm sort of cutting my eyes back to my mom with a little smirk. And she was furious because oh, God. The guy was giving me like, Oh, you poor girl. It's what a good girl to come back with it and give it back it must have been eating you up so anyhow touch of class is not a classy shirt to wear <laughs> foxy bitch you are not a foxy bitch if you wear right shirt. so oh i i don't know i think it's debatable you know uh we're gonna wrap up the the literal film discussion but i think you and i sam agree that there there's a part three we want to put do we because I, I want i want this on the record let's let's okay. let's chat it out all right let's chat it out do here we, do we want to go more and because because we've done the movie. Yeah, so part the three movie's would done. basically be looking at documentaries and adult no. films. Then let okay. Or- so as we're wrapping up discussion of the film, I think Sam, this whole experience has kind of changed how we want to move forward in the future with this podcast as far as the films that we cover so this was a uh, deep dive yeah yeah well now i don't know that it was a deep it was a deep dive it's it's a film that you know we really really like 
but I just kind of like popped the lid on my head. <laughs> yes. And I really started to think about things a lot differently than I had in the past. Do you mean like the con- the concept of the podcast? Like, okay, we're going to talk about movies, but there's so much more to it, particularly with this subject. Okay, there's the history. There's, there are all these other points. How deep do we want to go? Do you mean I, that? I think we, you know, you and I had joke like, there's, there's no re not, not joke like, ha, ha, ha. We were joking like, well, there's no reason why we couldn't, couldn't do Emmanuel. (laughs) Why, why can't we, all of them, why can't we do all the Emmanuels? And we're pretty, you know, we're super open-minded about material that you, you know, I think that's, that's the absolute with us is that we, we are not going to self-censor. We will look at anything from Mary Poppins to behind the green door and insatiable to anything in between uh, um, as as seriously as we can. I mean, some of them are funny and some are great and some are awful, but I I don't want to close a door anywhere. I want to be able to discuss anything with you. No. And, and I felt that way, but then after doing some of the background research for this film, you know, we, and, and, and just kind of knowing the film and, but not knowing any of the history and, and props again to the Rialto Report podcast. And if you, if you are interested in this history, please check out the Rialto Report podcast. I second that. And the fact that he has, he has created an oral and built an oral history from the people involved early on in, in the adult film industry, as we know it, you know, um, excellent resource and it it made me just really completely think of there's something about the not the industry that that dehumanizes but socially people that have participated in adult filmmaking i think get dehumanized because and we we kind of point the finger and say no you dehumanized yourself and i i you know that has been completely flipped on its head for me, I think, because of, of researching this. Yeah, I, I would agree. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry, I just got distracted a little bit because I, I, I was trying to find the name of John Holmes' manager right. because that was, there, there is one very good thing that came out of this industry and that was that, at least they claim, John Holmes or his agent rather claimed that they were the first in the industry um, during the the AIDS epidemic to do mandatory testing and they decided to do it first themselves. So as John Holmes and his agent went out, got tested and did it regularly. They, They were aware and they did look after their own, you know, after their actors and and tried to make it as safe as possible, even though, unfortunately, uh, John C. Holmes, John Holmes did continue. Yeah, after. he went over to Italy. Went over to Italy without telling the other actors, or and I don't know if they had been, you know, safe sex and all that over there. Probably not. But uh, the, I think the story went that, luckily, nobody, nothing. Nobody is known to have contracted. No, known it, to have contracted. So, oh. so that's interesting. But um, it, it, it made me just really, I, well, I guess, look at my own biases and prejudices. Yeah. And 
and it's wrong. It's wrong. And, and, and then it got me really thinking that we, when we see even actors, uh, it's, you know, I was, I was telling Sam, I look at John C. Riley and I think of actors like back in the seventies, like a Gene Hackman or a Donald mm-hmm. Sutherland who are not picture perfect, pretty beautiful, whatever, uh, fantastic actors. Yeah. And then I was talking to Sam about even sex scenes today. It feel like they have this sort of veneer, this gloss, and and I, no I feel arts, like there's no uh, unshaved legs, no, there, you know, just something just, about it. it. It's all CGI. <laughs> I'm not saying it's all CGI, but there is this sort CGI of CGI and sex stunt uh, actors, yeah. I guess. Yeah, there's this gloss and sheen to everything, and yeah. I think we've lost something. I think we've lost something. The grit, the grit, the grain, the grain in the film is yeah. for me missing. But that grain, what a beautiful metaphor. The grain in the film is gone with video. Yeah, literally it, and figuratively. It's a texture. It's a texture that, uh, and it, it's funny. I had this conversation way, way back in the eighties when CDs were getting popular, and mm-hmm. I, it was actually at, at a very popular record record store. Um, up in Tallahassee, where you actually had to take a test if you wanted to be a clerk there. You had to know different genres of music and everything. Okay. I'm not kidding, not exaggerating. Okay. You could not get hired unless you passed their little, you know, 25 question test. But I got into a discussion because this is when CDs were starting to get new. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we had, I had an interesting discussion with, I don't know if he was the assistant manager, but I said, I kind of like the sound of vinyl though. I said, I know that like CDs are crisp and they're clean and they're like supposedly perfect, right? The digital. Mm-hmm. I said, but uh, listening to an old album, like the Squeeze album, the 45s, yes. the cracks, oh, the pop, the, the, the cracks, the hisses, the pops yes. on that album as yeah. you're sitting there drinking your coffee in bed. <laughs> Even the um, cracks, they, they mean something. It's like a little time yes capsule you know yeah. that crack yeah. so i still um, have my very i have you know i'm a big billy joel fan i i i i've loved him since i was 14 and one day he's gonna marry me but i i got piano man the album right. from my 15th birthday and it sat on the shelf for a long long time after cds came into vogue and then of course everything became digital and then when i went back to getting a turntable and you know old vinyl setup i i dusted off that that record that i had when i was 15 years old put it on and i swear to god i was transported just from that yeah. first you know before it hits the um the groove before it hits the song yeah little uh areas before between songs and i don't know there's nothing like it just, yeah. it, it that uh that era of pre when we when we were just hovering before pre digital, and we were still at at Pong, <laughs> Space Invaders yeah. had not come on. Yeah. Uh, this is a pretty <laughs> special era. Yeah. Uh, so we and and you know, I guess we have personal nostalgia for it because we were we were so young. But yeah, yeah, there's there's a certain texture I think that is lacking in in film today. That is, and is I know just, there's some purists like you can mm-hmm. love or hate. Tarantino, but he wants a certain type of film stock. He wants that older look. 
and he even has some devices to make it look scratchy or you know edited right. poorly or whatever it's a little devicey but uh, yeah i mean i don't need i don't need him distressing the film to to yeah give that's me that. what i'm trying to say like distressed genes yeah. are offensive to people like us who yeah. have really done it though yeah the right way. <laughs> wait a minute i picked up my genes the hard way you know over over the period of three years yes. down to nothing yeah. but yeah there even is distressed boots too by the way like you've been yeah. walking in them a long time and doing all kinds of things yeah. they're just pretty distressed i you know, we're we're just uh i think we're just kind of riffing on uh on the the same vibe though about the just their it film today mainstream film just sort of lacks something to me i'll still go see movies and and i'm not knocking any kind of use of cgi but there there was something about that era yeah. and the the feeling the sounds the the aesthetic that is very very appealing and that feels like it's it's gone I, yeah i would almost prefer a bad effect to a perfect cgi effect right. if, if i'm aware of cgi I, I can feel that it's not i can feel the green screen i can feel that it's just not the same well i think we could beat the subject like it's a dead horse but i do are think we doing three or no we're doing we're not doing three i guess we might as well wrap it up but we what we should do is say that we are going to do adult films or somehow incorporate that that's what we were getting around to by right. god that all right might. flatline 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 <laughs> okay so. i can't do my hand okay I'm so uh in in the the experience of covering this film i think we've we've agreed that we want to be open to covering uh, adult content yes. adult cinema content yes uh respectfully and and seriously what do you think sam i think absolutely and we had had a discussion earlier about how at for for example at florida atlantic university uh we we both were received some letters from from that particular <laughs> university. Yeah. oh yeah 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 um yeah. And I remember for student film night, they had behind the green door. Can you even imagine that happening today? If that happened today, all hell would break loose. So many things would happen bad. <laughs> and I and I don't think that that caused an entire graduating class to become uh, porn stars and drug addicts. No, no. He so just gave me so much. I just had this realization of just how much without realizing it, how much things have been sanitized and censored yeah. from yeah. my from my yes. life. Especially in regard to sex. Especially in regard everything to everything can be simulated. Everything, not just the sex, but yeah. the effects, the 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 mountains, the even I'm yeah. gonna say this. I love the film Power of the Dog. I love it. And yeah. because of COVID reasons, I know that Jane Campion couldn't go you know on location right so there it is shot in new zealand and i'm supposed to suspend disbelief and think that this is montana right okay she did a great job and it's such a beautifully yeah. shot film 
Yeah. What did you do with your okay? But <laughs> and I okay, I can't go there because the spaghetti westerns. Now I'm thinking. <laughs> right. So obviously, you can not go on location. I was trying to make a different point, which was everything seems to be simulated. Everything. It's, it's almost like things are just too crisp, too perfect, too in yeah. focus. Yeah. And that's you know, um, we didn't we haven't taught we were going to try and do a, an Oscar preview type thing and just didn't time out right, but. Um, mm -hmm. My God, Passing is one of the most beautiful films I've seen in years. I second, third, fourth, and first, and yes. Just, and what what is happening if a film like Passing doesn't get a nod from the Academy? Then I say the Academy is bullshit. <laughs> because one. no, for real. Yeah. If yeah. you can't, <sighs> when you are able to use, it, and I'm like, okay, whatever novice novice director which which is that in, in itself is bullshit hall has been the hall's 39 years old the woman has never done a dumb film as an actor she is probably one of the you know she's one of those actors that up until this point with with passing because this is the film first film she wrote the screenplay and directed um but she was always one of those actors where if she was attached to a project, you would want to 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 watch it because you knew it was some there was something smart or uh, intriguing or what whatever the content was. You, you would be like, this is probably going to be a pretty good movie. So she always attached herself she to her really dues. Yeah. She's not just some ingenue that came on and is suddenly a darling. She paid her honest dues yeah. Yeah. before making this. And I, I think she is a true auteur, even if I just watch Passing. Right. Everything about that film, from the lead acting by Tessa Thompson, who damn well should have gotten a nomination, if not a win, right. for for the Academy, um, to the cinematography, which is and Ruth Nega, sublime, uh, most I've seen in a long time. Ben Camp, who plays Hugh, Ruth Nega, who plays oh, why can't I always get the not Irene, but ah oh, shoot, oh, Ruth, shoot. Ruth, is it Ruth? It's Ruth. Who's Ruth Nega? But yeah. the character is oh no, Claire. Is it Claire, Claire. Why okay. do I, Claire? Irene and Claire. Uh, ben Camp plays Hugh. Andre Holland plays um, Tessa Thompson's husband in the in the oh. film. Irene's husband, and just that that quartet alone should have been nominated for best actor, best actress. So don't um, look up, beat out a real piece of art right. like passing then I have no faith in that. I don't, I don't. And I'm disgusted with Netflix because Netflix, Netflix had a choice yeah. to push one or the other and they pushed the, the more general. I don't know, is that Netflix fault or are those who are because they, part of Academy? That know? is the kind of the buzz. I mean, I'll probably edit that comment out, but that, that was the buzz. I may cut, I may cut this, our rant about passing all completely. I, I but, say keep it. Um, yeah. This is bracketed. But yeah. I've heard from, so bracket, bracket, bracket to cut out this bit, bit, future Beth. But our friend, our mutual friend said that what she enjoys is the heated um, back and forthing, the, the, the actual just bantering. Yeah. After. Yeah. Yeah. In bracket, in bracket, in bracket, flatline. 
Okay. But, you know, I just, for Ed Grau to not, Edward Grau to not get nominated for uh, Best Cinematography, just, it just makes me want to throw something at the wall. I think somebody should be prosecuted for that. (laughs) What the hell is wrong with them? It is. And and also Tessa Thompson's, uh, that nobody noticed her subtle, beautifully sublime performance is criminal. They should be prosecuted, all of them. All of them need to be hauled off to the stupid museum or something. I I don't know. (laughs) But uh, all of it's it's just, it's a travesty. And uh, what that film did with black and white to me was very, very unique. And I, I pointed out that one scene where Irene is there in the front stoop and she, is she waiting for, who is she waiting for? Is she waiting for on her a moment of peace because, um, because Claire had liked to listen to the horn player across the street and she never yes. actually took the time to sort of sit on the stoop like Claire did. So she's sort of saying, I'm gonna do this thing where I take my time and listen. There is something about the way that scene is shot where the concept for me, as I'm watching it, the concept of color absolutely becomes uh, deconstructed. Yeah. And you are seeing a pencil drawing of a human being, but a beautiful pencil drawing. Like mm-hmm. there's this something so pure about it. And it, and it is a very, very gray shot. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's uh, intellectually transformative that film will linger, linger with me. And I, you know, seeing if it didn't get nominated and they did not get nominated for the work they did, at least they can say, we made a film that will be remembered and, and handed down. I think they can all walk with their yeah. heads held high yeah. because who's going to be talking about uh, <laughs> don't look up in 20 years or nobody or is <laughs> or whenever film scholars yeah. are looking at things, right. Don't look up will be yeah. bubble gum on the bottom of your shoe. It's a gorgeous film. <laughs> Nothing against Meryl. I love her. Yeah. But, yeah. No. So are we wrapping this up then? I done? don't know. There... I just could talk all night. <laughs> I, I could talk all night probably... too, but I think I, let's save what we got. And if you want to okay. talk all night, we can. But um, before we go, guys, um, yeah. and I know we usually do, what are you watching? Well, what are you watching, Sam, real quick? I'm still, I... it's all your fault too. Because of you, I had, and because I'm a completionist and because I'm very late to the game, I started American Horror Story and I have been absolutely traumatized and I will need therapy because I watched season four, which is called Freak Show. Uh I've had it in my dreams, come (laughs) up, night terrors. It's just so well done, but also really horrifying. So we're moving on to Hotel next because I'm a Gaga fan, huge Gaga fan. I'm looking forward to Yeah. I I've actually uh, wait four seasons. What about you? Because of the uh, content or the the subject matter, I've actually watched some adult cinema. (laughs) So, (laughs) you know, I'm just trying to keep up with the trends, Sam. That's really what I'm trying to do. (laughs) It's for our work. So, you know, trying to get in touch with (laughs) (laughs) I didn't mean to. I was looking up something else. I, I, we've already we we've already recommended the, the Rialto Report podcast. I would also recommend, uh, and I like it because it's it, the woman, it's a woman hosting it. Uh, Holly Holly Randall Unfiltered Randall R A N D A L L. 
and uh it and it covers the yes holly randall unfiltered it covers the industry okay Uh, and she is the daughter of suze randall who i'm not familiar with but the suze randall apparently was a photographer who covered the my pod list for many 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 do you know it's an excellent podcast so i would recommend that I was looking at different podcasts like on Spotify and mm-hmm. mainly Spotify and Apple podcasts because I have a, like an Apple ecosystem right. and I couldn't figure out where you um, where you follow Apple because on Spotify it has a nice big block that says follow right but on mm-hmm. Apple it's this tiny little plus sign way at the top and just right. for right. Our, our listeners we'd love it if you'd follow us it it we we get to see in analytics things like how many people have listened to us and that sort of thing but we we'd really love to have followers too as as we wind our way and into the more legitimate area of of podcasting um than we have been and if you could just hit that little plus and honestly i i was serious about that it's it's just so discreet that it's hard it's easy to miss in in apple podcasts Give us a follow on on Apple Podcasts. Give us a follow on on Spotify or whatever your platform that you that you use. And also, you can find us on Amazon as well. And we're hoping that in the future we'll have some way to communicate with you guys directly. If you have ideas, oh. you'd like us to talk about something in particular, or yeah, we maybe have, you want to correct us on, on something, that's fine too. Yeah, we have, we have a Twitter, we have an Instagram. So we have uh, on Instagram, we are PudPod, P-U-D-D-P-O-D mm-hmm. on Instagram. And now that's new. So we've just got our episode screenshots there, but right. we'll be putting more content up there soon. And on Twitter, we are... So you Lloyd Puddin with it with no G, right? Yeah, on Twitter we're at celluloid Puddin, P-U-D-D-I-P-U-D-D-N-N Puddin. Now you can also follow us on our can I say this? Our personal Twitter accounts as well. Mine would be at No, you cannot follow me on my on my personal okay, Twitter. Okay, <laughs> you can follow me. You can follow I didn't Sam. Know how to Twitter and now I have one it's, and it's you may Sam follow Sam. <laughs> Uh, at Sam the Movie Maven, Maven, is that my damn name? I don't know. I don't know, but you Sam can the movie know. Maven? Uh, look, look it up. Look it up. What my Twitter is. Hold on. But I will answer you, and I, I'd love to hear from you. So hold on, one sec. You can see how how I really am good at some things, but others not not as much. All right. Oh, here I am. I'm at Movie Maven Sam. I had it wrong backwards. At movie Maven Sam. Movie Maven Sam. You might as well know my last name. It's you're gonna see it. Well, you know what? You can see my last name if you go to my Twitter account, and you you can you can ask us both through that Twitter account uh, anything you want, and we'll we'll respond and and hopefully make this a, a better. We're gonna keep rocking and rolling. We're gonna keep <laughs> rocking and rolling and make it making podcasts, making podcast episodes. I hope you make me sound more intelligent when I when you do the edit. <laughs> I think we're a lot more. Yeah. <laughs> Can I keep rocking and rolling? Yeah. All right, sugar tits. Well, I guess it's time to sign off. I just want to talk like Burt Reynolds for the rest of my I life do too. until I, I you know, so cold and in the grave. I just want to call everybody sugar tits and yeah, yeah fuck our nails. Foxy, um, foxy bitches and 
and slam butter on my ass. <laughs> I'm simple, man. Butter in my ass and a lollipop in my mouth. <laughs> no, I. You hey, know, I did hear from one of our one of our listeners that they'd be really interested in, in watching viewing Indochine because in one of our shorter segments we had we had referenced that and you were talking about that a lot. I'm so up that, for it, man. And it is a foreign. It is a foreign film and it is gorgeous. Who so who it wanted is, to watch Indochine? One oh, of our okay. dearest okay. Uh, listeners. Yeah beautiful film yeah yep so well, what are we doing next then i can't do, do we want it to be a surprise for the trailer or do we want to say you know what we are gonna we're we're gonna leave it open <laughs> let's sleep it open we're, let's sleep on what we're gonna do next this was a big one this is a whopper we've been just going and going and going this is a whopper because it's it's so interesting but I, um, I'd say definitely, I, I've written down the Holly Randall. Um, Holly Randall, Holly Randall, that. unfiltered, U-N-F-I-L-T-E-R-E-D, unfiltered. And the Rialto and, Report, I have, I'm also Rialto following Rialto Report so podcast. Fascinating stuff. Those are, you know, two two podcasts that I've, I've listened to a few more, but those two are just aces. Um, yeah. And if you like the the industry if you're fascinated with the industry and you want to hear what's going on currently or uh, Randall's uh, Holly Randall's podcast is excellent and uh, if you want to know about the history of the golden age then Rialto Report podcast is is excellent yeah and it has been a real <clears throat> if anybody in the adult industry is listening to this podcast it's a uh, it's been a real uh, treat it's it really has yeah. I've grown as a person. I've enjoyed all of the research and and particularly the the viewing materials that that I've had to research yeah. while while doing this show. And you know what so. the scale the scales have kind of been used to tease me all the time. I'm like, no, no, the censorship. It's not just censorship <laughs> is bad, but uh, you're like, no, it's really bad. And 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 the scales have been lifted from my eyes. Uh, Yay! We we do have a serious problem in this country about what we decide to keep from people, what images we find inappropriate and what images we think and, are. And violence would not be yeah. those images, but yeah. sexual yeah. situations, that's messed up. That's fucked up, come on. Yeah. All right, I think we did did the deed. What do you think? I think we did too. So um, lovies, beautiful uh, pudding heads. You're our pudding heads. Uh, we, we love you. Thank you for listening. Uh, what's our saying? Be kind, rewind. We didn't invent that one. You know that. Yes. But but you had one you invented. D oh, don't forget yeah. to. Yeah. Pick up your shit. Don't leave your popcorn at the bottom. Don't of leave your shit lying around. The, Clean the, up your theater floor. So. Uh, and be and kind to one another and get out of your some, comfort zone and watch something new. Watch something new. Read something different. Um, yeah. Open open your mind. All right. Yeah. So we will talk at you guys later. Cheers.